Thank you for coming to today's podcast for March 29th. Let's go ahead and pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we ask you to send us your hearing ears and eyes to see what the word says to us. Give us revelation knowledge. Send us your revelation knowledge, Lord God, that we may know you and seek you and praise you, Lord. We thank you for the reading of today's word. Deuteronomy chapter 11 to chapter 12, verse 2. Amen. Thank you in Jesus' name, Lord. Here we go. You must love the Lord your God, obey all his requirements, decrees, regulations, and commands. Keep in mind that I'm not talking now to your children who have never experienced the discipline of the Lord your God or seen his greatness and his strong hand and powerful arm. They didn't see the miraculous signs and wonders he performed in Egypt against Pharaoh and all his land. They didn't see what the Lord did to the armies of Egypt and to their horses and chariots, how he drowned them in the Red Sea as they were chasing you. He destroyed them, and they have not recovered to this very day. Your children didn't see how the Lord cared for you in the wilderness until you arrived here. <clears throat> they didn't see what he did to Dayton and Abram, the sons of Eliabah, a descendant of Reuben, when the earth opened its mouth in the Israelite camp and swallowed them along with their household and tents and every living thing that belonged to them. But you have seen the Lord perform all these mighty deeds with your own eyes. Therefore, be careful to obey every command I am giving you today so you may have strength to go in and take over the land you are about to enter. If you obey, you will enjoy a long life in the land the Lord swore to give to your ancestors and to you, their descendants, a land flowing with milk and honey. For the land you are about to enter and take over is not like the land of Egypt from which you came, where you planted your seed and made irrigation ditches with your foot as in a vegetable garden. Rather, the, la the land you will soon take over is a land of hills and valleys with plenty of rain, a land that the Lord your God cares for. He watches over it through each season of the year. If you carefully obey all the commands I am giving you today, and if you love the Lord your God and serve him with all your heart and soul, then he will send the rains in the proper season, the early and late rains, so you can bring in your harvest of grain, new wine, and olive oil. He will give you lush pasture land for your livestock, and your yourselves will have all you want to eat. But be careful, don't let your heart be deceived, so that you turn away from the Lord and serve and worship other gods. If you do, the Lord's anger will burn against you. He will shut up the sky and hold back the rain, and the ground will fail to produce this harvest. Then you will quickly die in that good land the Lord has given you. So commit yourself wholeheartedly to the words of mine. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. Teach them to your children. Talk about them when you are at home and when you are on the road. When you are going to bed and when you are getting up, write them on the doorstep of your house and on your gate. 
so that as long as the sky remains above the earth, you and your children may flourish in the land the Lord swore to give your ancestors. Be careful or to obey all these commands I am giving you. Show love to the Lord your God by walking in his ways and holding tightly to him. Then the Lord will drive out all the nations ahead of you, though they are much greater and stronger than you, and you will take over their land. Wherever you set your foot, that land will be yours. Your frontiers will stretch from the wilderness in the south to Lebanon in the north, and from the Euphrates River in the east to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. And no one will be able to stand against you, for the Lord your God will cause the people to fear and dread you, as he promised, wherever you go in the whole land. Today, look, I am giving you the choice between a blessing and a curse. You will be blessed if you obey the commands of the Lord your God that I am giving you today. But you will be cursed if you reject the commands of the Lord your God and turn away from him and worship gods you have not known before. When the Lord your God brings you into the land and helps you take possession of it, you must pronounce the blessing of Mount Gerizim and the curse of Mount Ebal. These two mountains are west of the Jordan River in the land of the Canaanites who live in the Jordan Valley near the town of Gilgal, not far from the Oaks of Moreh. For you are about to cross the Jordan River to take over the land the Lord your God is giving you. When you take that land and are living it, you must be careful to obey all the decrees and regulations I'm giving you today. These are the decrees and the regulations you must be careful to obey when you live in the land that the Lord, the God of your ancestors is giving you. You must obey them as long as you live. When you drive out the nations that live there, you must destroy all the places where they worship their gods, high on the mountains, up on the hills, and under every green tree. Break down the altars and smash their sacred pillars, burn their astral poles, and cut down their carved idols. Completely erase the names of their gods. Do not worship the Lord your God in the way these pagans people worship their gods. Rather, you must seek the Lord your God at the place of worship. He himself will choose from among all the tribes the place where his name will be honored. There you will bring your burnt offerings, your sacrifices, your tithes, your sacred offerings, your offerings to fulfill a vow, your voluntary offerings, and your offerings of the firstborn animals of your herd and flock. There you and your families will feast in the presence of the Lord your God, and you will rejoice in all you have accomplished because the Lord your God has blessed you. Your pattern of worship will change. Today all of you are doing as you please because you have not yet arrived at the place of rest, the land the Lord your God has given you as your special possession. But you will soon cross the Jordan River and live in the land the Lord your God has given you. When he gives you the rest from all your enemies and you're living safely in the land, you must bring everything I command you, your burnt offerings, your sacrifices, and your tithes, your sacred offerings and your offerings to fulfill a vow to the designated place of worship, 
the praise the Lord your God chooses for his name to be honored. You must celebrate there in the presence of the Lord your God with your sons and daughters and all your servants. And remember to include the Levites who live in your towns, for they will receive no allotment of land among you. Be careful not to sacrifice your burnt offerings just anywhere you like. You may do so only at the place the Lord will choose within one of your trivial territories. There you must offer your burnt offerings and do everything I command you. But you may butcher your animals and eat their meat in any town whenever you want. You may freely eat the animals with which the Lord your God blesses you. All of you, whether ceremony clean or unclean, may eat the meat just as you now eat gazelle and deer. But you must not consume the blood. You must pour it out on the ground like water. But you may not eat your offering in your hometown, neither the tithe of your grain and new wine and olive oil, nor the firstborn of your flocks and herds, nor any offering to fulfill of all, nor your voluntary offerings, nor your sacred offerings. You must eat these in the presence of the Lord your God at the place he will choose. Eat them there with your children and your servants and the Levites who live in the towns, celebrating in the presence of the Lord your God in all you do. And be very careful never to neglect the Levites as long as you live in the land. When the Lord your God expands your territory as he has promised and you have the urge to eat meat, you may freely eat meat whenever you want. It might happen that the designated place of worship the place the Lord your God chooses for his name to be honored is a long way from your home. If so, you may butcher any of the cattle, sheep, or goats the Lord has given you, and you may freely eat the meat in your hometown as I commanded you. Anyone, whether ceremony clean or unclean, may eat the meat just as you do now with gazelle and deer. But never consume the blood, for the blood is the life, and you must not consume the lifeblood with the meat. Instead, pour out the blood on the ground like water. Do not consume the blood, so that all may go well with you and your children after you, because you will be doing what pleases the Lord. Take your sacred gift and your offering given to fulfill the law to the place the Lord chooses. You must offer the meat and blood of your burnt offerings on the altar of the Lord your God. The blood of, other, of your other sacrifices must be poured out on the altar of the Lord your God, but you may not may eat the meat. Be careful to obey all my commands so that all will go well with you and your children after you, because you will be doing what is good and pleasing to the Lord your God. When the Lord your God goes ahead of you and destroys the nations and you drive them out and live in their land, do not fall into the trap of following their customs and worshiping their gods. Do not inquire about their gods, saying, How do these nations worship their gods? I want to follow their example. You must not worship the Lord your God the way the other nations worship their gods. For they perform for their gods every detestable act that the Lord hates. They even burn their sons and daughters as sacrifices to their gods. So be careful to obey all the commands I have given you. You must not add anything to them or subtract 
anything from them. The word of the Lord. Let me go ahead and read the study. God gave the Israelites great freedom. He showed them the path to blessings and warned them against the way of the Turks. It is amazing that most of them, through their disobedience, chose the way of the Turks. This wasn't the first time God gave people such freedom. He gave Adam and Eve free range of Eden with a single command followed by a warning. Unfortunately, their choices weren't any different. God gives us the same freedom today along with the same choice. We can choose to obey and follow God, living in harmony with God, commands for the, for the way the world was meant to be. Or we can rebel against his commands and live in a, in a dissonance with God and his creation. God has not hidden his laws from us and then punished us for unknowing breaking them. He has made his ways clear to us that we can follow him and experience the blessings of life with him. Amen. Commentary. I like where it says right here on Deuteronomy uh, 11, uh, where it says, uh, look, uh, verse 26, I am giving you the choice between a blessing and a curse. Yes. You will be blessed if you obey the commands of the Lord your God that I am giving you today. Okay, so, and, and, but you will be cursed if you reject the commands. So what's one of the commands that God has given us today in the New Testament? To remember the Lord God, communion, uh, John said, Jesus said in John 6, 27, that we should work to, be, to believe or work to enter the kingdom of God. What do you say? Work, um, work to believe, right? Well, so anyway, that's, I think, in other words, work to get into the kingdom of God, you know, um, Matthew 6, 33, seek you first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you in his righteousness. Yes, Amen. but in here, it's really, as you read through this, these whole requirements, there's a lot of requirements here. Yeah, that's okay. the Old Testament. Yeah. Though. It, he says, uh, well, yeah. I, I just want to make a contrast with the Old Testament and what the New Testament is like. I mean, if I was living in this Old Testament, I don't know that I could obey everything, every command. No, we don't, we don't have any sheep. I, I, the sacrifices and do this, I, I just don't don't think I would be very good at this. <laughs> <laughs> but so what I'm saying is that I like the New Covenant better where... I don't even think they keep them in Israel. They don't have the animals and the sheep to do with all that. And they used to kill one every morning and every mm -hmm. afternoon. That was a lot of work, huh? Yeah. Um, but Jesus does say to love, love your love yourself as you would others right right love right. others as you would love yourself right and so that's one of the things he said to do there's there's two things one more uh, I forget. love love the Lord with all your heart mm -hmm. or love you the Lord with all your heart and all your mind and all your soul yeah and do likewise but it's important that we, we, we learn to love ourselves too, you know. Um, but at the end of the day, it's, okay, if you look at it this way, mm -hmm. if he's saying, 
you know, if you if you obey these commands, you're going to be prospering in the land that the Lord has given you. He's already provided for you, or you know, a good land. You know, um, so versus, okay, I can either be under the blessing or I can be under a curse, right? I have uh-huh. a choice. I have a choice. So so nothing is really <clears throat> the only. You can go to the, the New Testament under the, the covenant of Jesus and the cross. You know, you still have to choose, right? People uh-huh. still have to make a choice. Hey, I want to be under the umbrella of the kingdom, and I want to be under blessings and not being cursed of the world, the world's ways. So uh-huh. it's kind of you do have, it, it, God gives us a, the freedom to make choices, right? Right. And if we make poor choices, then there's consequences to those choices. You know, there's there's things get that get passed down in, in the family line that are, you know, uh, make make your family not have such an easy life. People are, you know, addicted to things and um you know, or they're not prospering because they're not working or or, or even really putting Jesus first place to help them prosper. Uh-huh. So um there's really no difference there. You, we have a choice. You can be under a blessing or a curse. If you believe in Jesus, you're not. You're now. If you have an inheritance, with all the spiritual blessings, in the spiritual places, all the riches according, to, according to His riches, not ours, but His. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, you can say, well, you know, I, I, I don't, I don't want to believe in Jesus. I can't see Him. Well, you know, I mean. It, it's all about, you know, believing even though you can't see. You know, your faith, you always have to go, you go, you operate in faith, and that's a very hard walk sometimes mm-hmm. because you, you can't see because people are focused so much on the world and, the, and the, the world's events and the world's uh, ways. And, you know, when there's a kingdom mindset that you can work with, Providing you continue to learn about who Jesus is, as you said, in in in, in the kingdom. First, seek the kingdom of God and all uh-huh. all His righteousness, and there all these things will be added to you. Okay, that to me is like okay. <clears throat> that's one thing you should focus on. You learn learn the ways of how Jesus worked. You know, He supplied all that was needed at the end of the day when He fed the five thousand. You know. Um, he multiplied, provided the bread, and he worked through the, the disciples to do that. So I think that, you know, you look at both ways. There was something else that came up um, that I thought it said that you have to kind of work somewhere in here. I forget where. Um, I don't know. Well, right here, I'm, I found it in John. It says, um, I say unto you, you seek me not because you saw the miracles, uh-huh. but because you did eat the loaves and were filled. Uh-huh. Labor not for the meat which perisheth, but for the meat which endureth unto uh-huh. everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give unto you. For him has God the Father sealed. Then they said unto him, what shall we do that we might work the works of God? 
Jesus answered and said unto them, This is the work of God, that you believe on him whom mm-hmm. he has sent. Mm-hmm. They said therefore unto him, What sign showest thou that they we must see we believe thee that what does thou work? Our fathers did eat man in the desert. He gave them bread from heaven to eat, and Jesus said unto them, you know what they wanted? Those people weren't satisfied. Now they wanted a sign. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, Jesus said that uh, he, he just took the opportunity to, to take that comment and say a sermon. Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven, but my Father gave you the true bread, which that's what they're supposed to work. When he said to work, to, to get to know the Messiah, He's saying, go into the Old Testament and read the Word of God mm-hmm. and work to believe in the Son that God has sent. For he, God has put his seal on him, his approval, the anointing. Moses gave you not the bread from heaven, but my Father gave you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he which cometh down from heaven and giveth life unto the world. Then, then said they unto him, Lord, Evermore give us this bread. And Jesus said unto him, I am the bread of life. He that cometh unto me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. But I say unto you that you also have seen me and believe not. So in other words, he was telling me, uh, find me in the Old Testament and learn about me. Mm-hmm. That's the mm-hmm. works mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so that you can believe if you want to, you know. So you'll be saved. He was, he was giving them a salvation message right there. Wow. And then he was saying, I am the bread of life. Uh, they'll have eternal life through him. For I came down not to do my own will, but to do it with him that sent me. And this is the Father's will which he has sent me, that all of which he has given me, I should not lose nothing, but I should rise up again at the last day. Yeah, I think the part I was trying to bring up was that um, in, in Deuteronomy 11, 18, it says, So commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these words of mine. Okay? Tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. Amen. Teach them to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road, when you're going to bed. When you're getting up, write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates, so that as long as the sky remains above the earth, you and your children may flourish in the land the Lord swore to give your ancestors. Um, so I, I think that's a real good point there because um, it says, commit yourself wholeheartedly to these words, you know, the words of Jesus. Uh-huh. Um, you know, don't let them go. Cling to the word, uh, as we read yesterday. Um, but talk about it. Live it. You know, post it on your walls like we do, I guess. <laughs> we got a lot of word of God around us. But we, we talk a lot about that in this house. You know, uh, so I think that's, that's real success for us as Christians is to don't forget the word of God. Don't. Find something new. Keep learning about Jesus and the things and his works. Because he said greater works will we do because he went to the Father. So I don't know. 
don't don't forget. Just keep on keeping. Well, once we have the Holy Spirit, we, we it just you know you're right. We got to stay turned on with turned the on word plugged in. and meditating on it and, and contemplating and meditating all day long. You know, or singing songs, making melody in our hearts to the Lord. Because um, we have it a lot easier than the Old Testament. Remember, the yes. people Jesus was talking to weren't not born again, and he hadn't been mm -hmm. lifted up yet. Mm -hmm. The only way they can, he was giving them, they can enter the kingdom of God is through uh, searching the old scriptures and paying attention to and working. What well, works do I do? Well, that you work it to believe mm -hmm. in Him who He sent me. Mm -hmm. And how do you believe? Well, you got. We have to do the hard work of. Uh, we got to do the hard work of. Uh, of reading, contemplating, search like what we're doing now. You know, we're taking the time to take an hour in the evening and and learn of the Word of God. Amen. Okay, yeah. go ahead. Okay, uh, going on to Luke. Chapter the reading of the New Testament. Yes, Luke chapter 8, verses 22 through 39. Huh? One day Jesus said, one day Jesus said, I lost my pen. <laughs> no, he didn't say that. I did. Uh, one day Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. So they got into the boat, a boat and started out. As they sailed across, Jesus settled down for a nap. But soon a fierce storm came. <coughs> came. Uh -huh. Down on the lake. The boat was filling with water and they were in real danger. The disciples went and woke him up, shouting, Master, Master, we're going to drown. When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and the raging water waves. Suddenly the storm stopped and all was calm. Then he asked them, where is your faith? Mm -hmm. Wow, Lord. Powerful. Where is your faith? Uh, the disciples were terrified and amazed. Okay. Mm-hmm. Who is this man, they asked each other, when he gives a command, even the wind and the waves obey him. So they arrived in the region of the Gerasenes, mm -hmm. across the lake from Galilee. As Jesus was climbing out of the boat, a man who was possessed by demons came out to... <coughs> Came out to meet him. For a long time he had been homeless and naked, living in a cemetery outside the town. As soon as he saw Jesus, he shrieked and fell down in front of him. Then he screamed, Why are you interfering with me, Jesus, son of the Most High God? Please, I beg you, don't torture me. For Jesus had already commanded the evil spirit to come out of him. This spirit had often taken control of the man, even when he was placed under guard and put in chains and shackles. He simply broke them and rushed out into the wilderness, completely under the demon's power. 
Jesus demanded, what is your name? Legion, he replied, for he was filled with many demons. <coughs> the demons kept begging Jesus not to send them into the bottomless pit. There happened to be a large herd of pigs feeding on the hillside nearby, and the demons begged him to let them enter into the pigs. So Jesus gave them permission. Then the demons came out of the man and entered the pigs, and the entire herd plunged down the steep hillside into the lake and drowned. When the herdsmen saw it, they fled to the nearby town and the surrounding countryside, spreading the news as they ran. People rushed out to see what happened. A crowd soon gathered around Jesus, and they saw the man who had been freed from the demons. He was sitting at Jesus' feet, fully clothed, Fernando, uh -huh. and in his right mind. Amen. Uh, it says fully clothed and perfectly sane, and they were all afraid. Then those who had seen what happened told the others how the demon-possessed man had been healed. And all the people in the region of the Gerasenes begged Jesus to go away and leave them alone, for a great wave of fear swept over them. <coughs> so Jesus returned to the boat and left, crossing back to the other side of the lake. The man who had been freed from the demons begged to go with him, but Jesus sent him home, saying, no, go back to your family and tell them everything God has done for you. So he went all through the town, proclaiming the great things Jesus has done for him. Wow. It's a really powerful reading. <clears throat> Amen. Can you read the uh, commentary? Sure. Uh, today's study is Luke 8, 25, 35, and 37. Peter, Andrew, James, and John were veteran fishermen, so this storm had to be quite fierce for them to panic and wake Jesus, but their emotions are not mentioned until after Jesus calms the storm. They were terrified and amazed. In the Gerasenes region, the people surely guarded their families closely with the demons. Demon-possessed man on the loose. Okay. Some had chained him up, but he could not be restrained. However, instead of thanking Jesus for restoring peace to the town, a great wave of fear swept over them. The disciples were not so different from the townspeople. All of them reacted to Jesus' power with fear. The disciples wondered, who is this man? The townspeople begged Jesus to go away and leave them alone. But there's a subtle difference. The townspeople wanted nothing to do with Jesus, while the disciples stuck around to figure Jesus out. But the man whom Jesus healed outstripped them all. He went all through the town, proclaiming the great things Jesus had done for him in Luke chapter 8, 39. Jesus has the power to save you from storms, to protect you from violence, and to rescue you from evil. When you respond in fear or faith. 
Amen. Yeah. So it, it just, you know, as it starts out, it says that Jesus told them, let's go over to the other side. He's going to get you to the other side. When it's, when a storm comes, get in, get in the boat and let Jesus take you to the other side. That's kind of what I got. Um, but he took them out. And they didn't understand that when the, when the storm came. I mean, here they are sitting there with Jesus. And there's the storm coming their way. Well, you know, it's just like that. <coughs> when we give our 10%, you know, we expect life to go smooth. When we give 40, 50% of our income, we expect our new vehicles to show up, new things to happen. And it was not so, you know. We just continue to deal with problems. And it's the same thing that uh, they call upon Jesus. They, they learn to become dependent on Jesus. Jesus was feeding them. I don't know what year was in the ministry. Was was it his third year with, with them? I don't know if it was the third year. Yeah, they, they, they were it was probably the last year, mm-hmm. you know, because they were so used to calling on him. But that just, uh, but I really think it's where he says, uh, where is your, uh, or imagination, or, or your, your confidence in uh-huh, me, uh-huh. You know, or your confidence, you know. So in other words, he's, he, he's already talking to them like they're already full of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't you think so? Because if we have the Holy Spirit, we can f- speak to the situation mm-hmm. and That's act true. with the Holy mm-hmm. Spirit. But they're, they're not born again yet. You know, they have, uh, maybe they have the anointing on the out- on the background. Well, but maybe they're still learning about him, right? I yeah. mean, um, What's incredible is just, you know, where you, you know, we can ask ourselves, and and there's small situations that pop up. Where's our faith? Who do we trust? Right? Uh, It's just very important. We go through that when you go through a trial. It's like you think it's going to end up doom and gloom, but. Okay, so apparently Jesus was talking to them, like, excuse me, that they can, they can actually do exactly what he did speak to the storm uh-huh. you know as men uh, in other words you mm-hmm. don't even have to be born again you're already a man and you're made in and you got a certain inherited qualities as a man so equity the bible calls it so he says hey where's your why don't you speak to the to the that's what he's expecting them to do why don't you speak to the storm uh, and and stop it yourself wasn't that what he's implying? Uh, hey, you could have done what I did. That's what he's implying to them. And, um, but I was thinking about the word imagination that a lot of people you know, <coughs> imagine it and speak it. But the, the one about the legions where uh, the Jesus was, there was Jewish people that were eating pork and that was against the Old Testament. And so, you know, when they drowned a thousand or two thousand pigs, he was probably saving the lives of a a few loving Jewish people that were eating pork. (laughs) I heard that somewhere. somewhere. Well, you know, I mean, this whole town wanted them out of there. 
here he here he brought sanity to the town, right? By casting out the demons, and they're they want him out. I mean, that's kind of like they're they, instead of rejoicing and saying, "Wow, we we weren't able to get this. We chained him up. He still broke loose. We had to protect our family members because he was homeless and naked or whatever." And they, what Jesus did was, it, it was kind of a, uh, what do you call it? Uh, it was an easy way. He just did it flawlessly or effortlessly is what I want to say to to get the demons out of there. And they just, I mean, it's kind of sad because they just didn't see the power working on their behalf. Yeah, it could have been Samaritans, you know, and things like that. Um, that I mean, it was it was an effort. Effort. He effortlessly got rid of the demons. Well, it doesn't take much uh, to spook people very easily. You know, people get spooked with a AIDS comet. They got spooked with two thousand. You know, so when you hear a person that's casting out a demon, yeah, that's scary. They they get scared and then yeah. they, then the guy throws That's two thousand of the pigs and the livelihood of the town. Uh -huh. I mean, you terrify them, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, just, um, Amen. Well, bless them. God bless good, them. Yeah. All right. Let me go ahead and finish it. Okay. If you don't have anything else, uh, let's pray for those who are in urgent need of God's deliverance. Lord, we pray for the war. Lord, we just pray for your deliverance for the innocent people, the children, the wives, the mothers, the sick people, the elderly, Lord, the, the poor people that couldn't leave the region, Lord. Lord, we just pray for them that you would protect them, Lord God, in the heavens that are vulnerable to, to the cold and to the elements and the, and the firepower that's going through there, Lord. We ask you by the blood of Jesus that you may protect all the families all over the world that are experiencing war and turmoil in their household, Lord God. Oh Lord, we just ask you for protection upon them and give them mercy for the day, Lord. And Lord, we just speak peace, peace into them. Peace, peace into all the families around the world. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Psalms 70, verses 1 through 5. Please, God, rescue me. Come quickly, Lord, and help me. May those who try to kill me be humiliated and put to shame. May those who take delight in my trouble be turned back in disgrace. Let them be horrified by their shame, for they said, Aha, we got him now. But may all who search for you be filled with joy and gladness in you. May those who love your salvation repeatedly shout, God is great. But as for me, I am poor and needy. Please hurry to my aid, O God. You are my helper and my savior. O Lord, do not obey. Do not delay. <laughs> do not obey. <laughs> do not delay. <coughs> Proverbs 2.4 says, A worthy wife is a crown to her husband. Amen. But a disgraceful woman is like cancer in his bones. Wow. Amen. In Jesus' name, Lord, we thank you for the reading of your word. We're blessed in Jesus' name. And we can all say, God is, is great. great. Amen. God is great.
is grace. God is grace. God is good. Let us thank him for our Amen. Amen. Praise Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you for the reading of your word. Everyone have a good day. Amen. Good morning, good morning. Welcome to today's podcast. I pray that I find you in good spirits, happy, joyous, and free. If not, let's go ahead and fix it. Let's go ahead and start with the Lord's Prayer, please. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us of our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Welcome to today's Sunday Mass service. For those of us who are rough in the edges, a little jazz music in the background. But we're going to acknowledge our Lord Jesus Christ and light up that fire that's in our hearts that Jesus put. The Apostle John, the Baptist John, said that Jesus has come down here. He's going to baptize us with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Fire. And that's what happened to me. On my nine month of Alcoholic Anonymous, I received that fire. My my good friend that I haven't seen in years, and I didn't see after that, and said that if I take on Jesus, I will be able to whip the devil alcohol. And I knew the devil alcohol. I knew the dark side. I knew what the strange powers that they have. And uh, cussing at them, belittling them, only strengthens them. What works is the blood of Jesus. What works is the communion of Jesus. So I made my choice. I said, what do I have to lose? And I said, yes, yes to Jesus. And I prayed a simple prayer. I said, Lord, I don't have it all together. I need you. I need your help. I'm sorry for my actions. I, I repent of what I've done. And please forgive me. And come into my heart and... And fill me up, for I need I need restoration. I need help. I need to be restored, corrected, forgiven, and set right. And boom, little lightning happened. Nothing happened. All it was was a quality choice of opening up the doors of my heart and letting the Savior on the cross come in. It was, uh, I can tell that the Heavenly Father wanted me to accept something. Heavenly Father, God had been doing some things for me that was just remarkable the first nine months. And then everything kind of like stood still, very quiet. You know, as I was going through my days and going through the meetings, I'm thinking, God wants something from me. It's my turn. It's on my side of the court now. You know, He look at how many things he's done for us, you know. Taking care of our mothers, brothers and sisters, got his jobs, got to restore us, 
We always tried and whimpered to him when we needed something. Now, the creator of the earth, of the heavenlies, needs something. His love needs for us to say yes, to open our hearts to the cross. Yes, Lord, yes, yes, have your way. I give you my life, my will, and my ways. Third step. That's the third step. Amen. So it worked. It happened. I got a great appetite for uh, for right living, right believing. The green got greener, the grass. The skies got bluer, the, blue, the white clouds. And I was drunk again <laughs> with no DUI. I was intoxicated with life. Wonderful, wonderful words of life revolutionized my life. Opened my heart and my mind. I have fired up about life and the program. I finally had a system that would put bread on the table and beans and steak and potatoes. And and I wasn't guilty anymore. I was on the winning side. All this time, I've been barking up the wrong tree. You know, making headaches for people and society and everything. And I've been able to buckle my pants properly and, you know, the 12-step program and and the Lord Jesus Christ taught me to pay my own way, seven tradition, pay my own way, be a man, Don't, no whimper, no more whimpering. I love you. God bless you. My little testimony here. Let's go ahead and take communion. Let's take the bread. Say, Jesus, you died on the cross for us. Lord Jesus, we thank you and we acknowledge you. Go ahead and put me on pause and go get your elements. Get a piece of bread and some uh, juice. I'll wait. Lord Jesus, excuse me. Lord Jesus took the bread that evening before his crucifixion and said, This is my body broken up for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Thank you, Jesus Christ, for going to the cross. Thank you, Lord, for crowning us with your loving kindness and your tender mercies. Thank you, Jesus Christ, as you died on the cross, Lord. You took all our sins, all our despair, our loneliness, all our fears, Lord. Fear of the future, fear of the past. Did you know that tattoos is a symbol of fear? You're trying to tell people, keep away. I'm, I'm, I'm not safe. Keep away. I don't know. I had a great desire to tattoo my left arm, and I put the face of a god there, and I almost it almost killed me by putting a idol there in my arm. It didn't have, it didn't work. That's my experience. This works, folks. This revolutionized and changed my life. The cross. Looking at Jesus on the cross. Looking at Jesus bleeding on the cross, and 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 having a sorrow. And opening up my heart and say, yes, 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 Lord Jesus. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you that you gave up the ghosts for me, Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you that you were brutally murdered and whipped and 39 times, Lord Jesus. And they put that crown on your head, Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for all those things that happened to you, Lord. And I thank you, Jesus Christ, for this bread. Let's go ahead and partake of the bread of life. And with that, Jesus took the cup 
And he said, this is my blood for the remission of sins, for the forgiveness of sins. We do this on a daily basis if we have to, to heal us, to establish us, to make us purposely right thinking for emotions. Lord Jesus, <clears throat> thank you that you spill your blood in my heart and my soul. Lord, and my prosperity and my happiness. Thank you, Jesus Christ. As you were raised from the dead, so was I. We are new creatures in Christ Jesus. You made us sons and daughters of the Most High God, Lord. We're good to go to heaven, and we're good to go in good works here. So let us shine before men that you are our God, Lord. Thank you for giving us your blood. Let's go ahead and partake of the blood of Jesus Christ, please. Amen. Amen. Today is Palm Sunday of the Lord's Passion. And this day we celebrate Christ's interest in Jerusalem to accomplish <clears throat> the mystery of his death and resurrection. The memorial of this event is included in every mass service for the month till the Easter comes. Hosanna. Hosanna, the son of David, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. O King of Israel, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. Let us pray. Almighty God, we pray you, we bless you and these branches and make them holy today. We joyfully acclaim Jesus, our Messiah and King. May we reach one day the happiness of the new and everlasting Jerusalem by faithfully following him who lives and reigns forever and ever. Amen. Let us pray again. Lord, increase the faith of your people and listen to our prayers. <clears throat> Today we honor Christ, our triumphant King, by carrying the Lord Jesus in our hearts, by saying yes. May we honor you every day and rejoicing and counting our blessings, <clears throat> and living always for Jesus. For he is Lord of our lives forever and ever. Amen. He has proven it over and over again. The Lord be with you and also with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, Lord. Chapter 21. When Jesus and the disciples drew near Jerusalem and came to Bethpage, on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village opposite you, and immediately you will find an, an coat tether with her mom. Untie them and bring them here. And if anyone should say anything to you, reply, The master has need of them. Then he will send them at once. This happened so that what had been spoken through the prophet might be fulfilled. Say to daughter Zion, Behold, your king comes to meek and riding on an ass and on a coat the foal of a beast of a burden. The disciples went and did as Jesus had ordered them. <clears throat> they brought the ass and the coat and they laid their cloaks over them. And he sat upon them. The very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road while others cut branches from the trees and stewed them on the road. The crowds <clears throat> preceding him and those following him kept crying out saying, 
Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was shaken and asked, Who is this? And the crowds replied, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. The gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Let's go forth in peace, praising Jesus our Messiah, giving him thanksgiving for all things. Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. Hosanna, Hosanna. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Six days before the solemn Passover, the Lord came to Jerusalem, and children waving palm trees ran out to welcome him. They loudly praised the Lord. Blessed are you who have come to us so rich in love and mercy. Amen. A reading from the book of the prophet Isaiah, chapter 50. The Lord God has given me a well-trained tongue that I may know how to speak to the weary, a word that will rouse them. Morning after morning he opens my ear, that I may hear, and I have not rebelled, have not turned back. I gave my back to those who beat me, my cheeks to those who plucked my beard, my face I did not shield from buffets and spitting. The Lord is my help, therefore I am not disgraced. I have set my face like a flint, knowing that I should not be put to shame. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Hallelujah, 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 amen. Hallelujah, 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 amen. <clears throat> holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Early in the morning will we praise Him and give Him thanks. A reading from Psalm 22. All who see me scoff at me. They mock me with parted lips. They wag their heads. He relied on the Lord. Let him deliver him. Let him rescue him if he loves him. Indeed, many dogs surround me. A pack of evildoers close in upon me and have pierced my hands and my feet. I can count all my bones. They divide my garments among them. And for my vesture, they they cast lots. But you, O Lord, be not far from me. All my help, hasten to aid me. I will proclaim your name to my brethren. In the midst of the assembly, I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you descendants of Jacob, give glory to him. Revere him, all your descendants of Israel. Amen. Philippians 2, 6 and 11. A reading from the letter of St. Paul to the Philippians. Christ Jesus thought he was in the form of God. Excuse me. Christ Jesus, though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God something to be grasped. Rather, he emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, 
coming in human likeness and found human in appearance, he humbled himself, becoming obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Because of this, God greatly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bend, of those in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ, King of endless glory. Yes, Christ became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Because of this, God greatly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name. Amen. Let's go ahead and end with the Lord's Prayer, please. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Let's go ahead and take communion for our enemies right here. Let us acknowledge them. Lord, we thank you for our enemies. We thank you for the work that they do. They push us to to better ourselves through prayer, through enthusiasm and joy. We choose to rejoice over our enemies. We choose to rejoice over their tactics. That whatever the devil meant for for evil, God can turn it to good. If we thank him in the day of trouble, we call upon him and he answers them. God is the God of wrath. We get out of the way and we say, thank you, God, for the enemies and what they're doing. We thank you for the lies. We sprinkle the blood of Jesus on our enemies, on their souls, on their prosperity, and on their happiness, Lord God. Your will be done on our enemies, Lord. We just lift them to you. We pray for their souls. We intercede and take communion. Let's go ahead and take the bread of life of Jesus Christ in behalf of our enemies right now. Let's remember all the fighting in Ukraine and Russia. Lord, we take communion for all the people out there that are hurting, Lord God, that's going on. Lord, we pray, Lord God, for the enemy, Lord. We pray that for their souls, Lord, that we sprinkle the blood of Jesus on their souls. We sprinkle the blood of Jesus on their prosperity and their happiness, Lord God. Be restored, Lord God, according to your will and your glory. We thank you for our enemies. We pray for their souls and we forgive them, Lord like you forgive them. We forgive them. Give them everlasting life, Lord. Give them everlasting life. Let's go ahead and take of the blood of Jesus Christ, Lord. We partake of the blood of Jesus on our behalf of them. Lord, that this is for their forgiveness of their sins, the remissions of sins, Lord. We thank you for our enemies. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Thanks be to God. Glory to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance unto you and give you peace. Amen. Greet one another. Go in peace. Our Sunday Mass has ended. Thank you. Readings, reading of the Amplified Bible for Proverbs chapter 12. Whoever loves instruction and correction loves knowledge, but he who hates reproof is like a brute beast, stupid and indiscriminating. Whoever loves instruction and correction loves knowledge, but he who hates reproof is like a brute beast, stupid and indiscriminating. A good man obtains favor from the Lord, but a man of wicked devices he condemns. A man should not be established by wickedness, but the root of the uncompromisingly righteous shall never be moved. A virtuous and worthy wife, earnest and strong in character, is a crowning joy to her husband. But she who makes him ashamed is as rottenness in his bones. The thoughts and purposes of the consistently righteous are honest and reliable. But the counsel and design of the wicked are treasures. The words of the wicked lie in wait for blood, but the moth of the upright shall deliver them, and the innocent ones thus endanger. The wicked are overthrown and are not, but the house of the uncompromising righteous shall stand. A man shall be commended according to his wisdom, godly wisdom, which is comprehensive insight into the ways and purposes of God, but he who is of a perverse heart shall be despised. Better is he who is slightly esteemed but works for his own support than he who assumes honor for himself and lacks bread. A consistently righteous man regards the life of his beast, but even the tender mercies of the wicked are cruel. He who tills his land shall be satisfied with bread, but he who follows worthless pursuits is lacking in sense and is without understanding. The wicked desire the booty of evil men, but the root of the uncompromisingly righteous yields rich fruitage. The wicked is dangerously snared by the transgressions of his lips, but the uncompromisingly righteous shall come out of trouble. From the fruit of his words, a man shall be satisfied with good, 
and the work of a man's hand shall come back to him as a harvest. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but he who listens to counsel is wise. A fool's wrath is quickly and openly known, but a prudent man ignores an insult. He who breathes out truth shows for righteousness, uprightness, and right standing with God, but a false witness utters deceit. There are those who speak rashly like the piercing of a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Truthful lips shall be established forever, but a lying tongue is credited but for a moment. Deceit is in the heart of those who devise evil, but for the counselors of peace there is joy. No actual evil, misfortune, or calamity shall come upon the righteous, but the wicked shall be filled with evil, misfortune, and calamity. Lying lips, lying lips are extremely disgusting and hateful to the Lord. But they who deal faithfully are his delight. A prudent man is reluctant to display his knowledge, but the heart of a self-confident fool proclaims their folly. The hand of the diligent will rule, but the slothful will be put to forced labor. Anxiety in a man's heart weighs it down, but an encouraging word makes it glad. The consistently righteous man is a guide to his neighbor, but the way of the wicked causes others to go astray. The slothful man does not catch his game or roast it. Once he kills it, but the diligent man gets precious possessions. Life is, is in the way of righteousness, moral and spiritual rectitude in every area and relation. And it is the pathway there. There is no death but immortality, perpetual eternal. Amen. Let's go ahead and read uh, chapter 11 since I skipped it. Amazing, this amazing reading from the uh, Amplified Bible. Chapter 11, a false balance and unrighteous dealings are extremely offensive and shamefully sinful to the Lord, but a just weight is his delight. Verse 2, when swelling and pride come, then emptiness and shame come also. But with the humble, those who are lowly, who have been pruned or chiseled by trial, and renounced self are skillful in godly wisdom and soundness. The integrity of the upright shall guide them, but the willful contraries and crookedness of the treasure shall destroy them. Riches provide no security in any day of wrath and judgment, but righteousness upright and right standing with God delivers from death 
verse 5. The righteousness of the blameless shall rectify and make plain their way and keep it straight. But the wicked shall fall by their own wickedness. The righteousness of the upright, their rectitude in every area and relation, shall deliver them. But the treasures shall be taken in their own iniquity and greedy desire. When the wicked man dies, his hope for the future perishes, and the expectation of the godly comes to nothing. Verse 8, The uncompromisingly righteous is delivered out of trouble, and the wicked gets into it instead. Verse 9, With his mouth the godless man destroys his neighbor, but through knowledge and superior discernment shall the righteous be delivered. Verse 10. When it goes well with the uncompromisingly righteous, the city rejoices. But when the wicked perish, they are shouts of joy. Verse 12. No, 11. By the blessing of of the influence of the upright and God's favor because of them, the city is exalted, but it is overthrown by the mouth of the wicked. Verse 12, He who belittles and despises his neighbor lacks sense, but a man of understanding keeps silent. He who goes about as a talebearer reveals secret, but he who is trustworthy and painful in spirit keeps the matter hidden. Where no wise guidance is, the people fall, but in the multitude of counselors there is safety. He who becomes security for an outsider shall smart for it. But he who hates surety is secure from its penalties. A gracious and good man wins honor for her. A gracious and good woman wins honor for her husband. And violent men riches. But a woman who hates righteousness is a throne of dishonor to him. A gracious and good woman wins honor for her husband. That's verse 16. And violent men win riches. But a woman who hates righteousness is a throne of dishonor for him. The merciful, kind, and generous man benefits himself, for his deeds return to bless him. But he who is cruel and callous to the wants of others brings on himself retribution. The wicked man earns deceitful wages, but he who sows righteousness, moral and spiritual rectitude in every area of relation shall have a sure reward, permanent and satisfying. He who is steadfast in righteousness, uprightness, and right standing with God attains of to life, 
but he who pursues evil does it to his own death. They who are willing, contrary in heart, are extremely disgusting and shameful vile in the eyes of the Lord. But as much as the blameless and wholeheartedly in their ways is his delight. That was verse 20. But they who are willfully contrary in heart are extremely disgusting and shameful and vile in the eyes of the Lord. But such as are blameless and wholehearted in their ways are his delight. Assuredly, I pledge it, the wicked shall not go unpunished, but the multitude of the uncompromisingly righteous shall be delivered. As a ring of gold in a swine's snout, so is a fair woman who is without discretion. The desire of the consistently righteous brings only good, but the expectation of the wicked brings wrath. One person gives freely, yet gains every moment. Another withholds unruly, but comes to poverty. One person gives freely, yet gains even more. Another withholds Another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. Verse 25, a generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. People curse the one who hoards grain, but they praise God's blessings on the one who is willing to sell it. Whoever seeks good finds favor, but evil comes to one who searches for it. Amen. He who diligently seeks good seeks God's favor, but he who searches after evil, it shall come upon him. He who leans on, trusts in, and is confident in his riches shall fall. But the uncompromisingly righteous shall flourish like a green bow. He who troubles his own house shall inherit the wind, and the foolish shall be servant of the wise of heart. The fruit of the uncompromisingly righteous is a tree of life, and he who is wise captures human lives for God as a fisherman. He gathers and rejoices them, receive them for eternity. Behold, the uncompromising righteous shall be recompensed on earth, how much more the wicked and the sinner. And if the righteous are barely saved, what will become of the ungodly and wicked? Okay, let's go ahead and do chapter 10. We are on a roll. The Proverbs of Solomon, a wise son makes a glad father, but a foolish and self-confident son is the grief of his mother. Treasures of wickedness profit nothing, but righteousness, moral and spiritual rectitude in every area and relationship delivers from death. 
The Lord will not allow the uncompetent righteous to famish, but he torches the desires of the wicked. He becomes poor who works with a slack and idle hand, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. He who gathers in summer is a wise son, but he who sleeps in harvest is a son who causes shame. Blessing. He who gathers in summer is a wise son, but he who sleeps in harvest is a son who causes shame. Blessings are upon the head of the uncompromising righteous, the upright and right standing with God, but the mouth of the wicked conceals service. But the mouth of the wicked conceal violence. The memory of the uncompromising righteous is a blessing, but the name of the wicked shall rot. The wise in heart shall accept and obey commandments, but the foolish of lips shall be headlong. He who walks uprightly walks securely, but he who takes a crooked way shall be found out and punished. He who winks with the eye craftily and with malice causes sorrow causes sorrow the foolish of lips will fall headlong but the wicked he who winks with the eye craftily and with malice causes sorrow the foolish of lips shall be headlong but he who boldly reproves makes peace hi boy hi chiquita Hey, Chiquita. The mouth of the uncovered righteous man is a well of life, but the mouth of the wicked conceals violence. Hatred stirs up contentions, but love covers all transgressions. On the lips of him who has discernment, skillful and godly wisdom is found, but discipline on the rod for the back of him who is without sense and understanding. A wise man stores up knowledge in mind and heart, but the mouth of the foolish is a present destruction. The rich man's wealth is his strong city. The poverty of the poor is their ruin. The earnings of the righteous, the upright and right standing with God, lead to life, but the profit of the wicked leads to further sin. He who heeds instruction and correction, not only himself in the way of life, but also in a way of life for others. And he who neglects or refuses reproof, not only himself goes astray, but also causes to err in the path towards ruin for others. He who hides hatred is of lying lip, but he who utters slander is a self-confident fool. In a multitude of words, transgression is not lacking, but he who restrains his lips is prudent. The tongue of, the, of those who are upright in right standing with God are a choice silver. The minds of, the, of those who are wicked and out of harmony with God are a, of little value. 
The lips of the uncompromising righteous feed and guide many, but fools die for want of understanding and heart. The blessings of the Lord it makes truly rich, and he has no sorrow with it, neither does it toiling increases it. Again, that's verse 22. The blessings of the Lord it makes truly rich, and he has no sorrow with it, neither does toiling increase it. It is a sport to a self-confident fool to do wickedness, but to have skillful and godly wisdom is pleasure and relaxation to a man of understanding. Again, verse 23, it is a sport for a self-confident fool to do wickedness, but to have skillful and godly wisdom is pleasure and relaxation to a man of understanding. The thing a wicked man fears shall come upon him, but the desire of the uncompromisingly righteous shall be granted. When the whirlwind passes, the wicked are no more, but the uncompromisingly righteous have an everlasting foundation. As vinegar to the teeth and as smoke to the eyes, so is the slugger to those who employ and send him. The reverent and worshipful fear of the Lord prolongs one's day, but the years of the wicked shall be made short. The hope of the uncompromising righteous, the expectation of the wicked, excuse me, verse 28. The hope of the uncompromisingly righteous, the upright and right standing with God is gladness. But the expectation of the wicked, those who are out of harmony with God, comes to nothing. The way of the Lord is strength and a stronghold to the upright, but it is destruction to the workers of iniquity. The consistently righteous shall never be removed, but the wicked shall not inhabit the earth eventually. The mouth of the righteous, those harmonious with God, bring forth skillful and godly wisdom. But the perverse tongue shall be cut down like a barren and rotten tree. The lips of the uncompromisingly righteous know and therefore utter what is acceptable. But the mouth of the wicked knows and therefore speak only what is obstinately, willfully, and contrary. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you for listening in today's podcast. God bless you. Good morning, family. Up and at them. Saturday day. Wonderful day. We had a great time yesterday. Fernando, your podcaster this morning. Welcome, family. Welcome. If no one's told you they love you, I love you. If no one's uh, told you you can, you can be better, we can, all of us. We can be better at something. Go to sleep earlier. Take a look at YouTube of people sleeping earlier. One of the ways to be earlier is to get to sleep and up at time, same time every day. Uh, eat uh, food with little, with fruits and salads and vegetables and lightly. Uh, no stress. What is it? Take a walk. Exercise. Moderate. And yada, yada, yada. You know the deal. Let's go on.
for a walk right now. It's a beautiful day. I try to get up and greet the earth. Say hello. Hello, earth. What's happening? We had a great barbecue last night and a AA speaker. And I'm in charge of setting everything up. I charge myself that charge. And one of the things that happened was I didn't think I was going to have trouble with the coal. And again, the coal just taking his sweet time to fire up and funny scene and we we cut some pizza boxes apart and started fanning it trying to get the coal going and I finally got the somebody brought in some sausages and we got the fire rolling and had the uh, vegetables roasted vegetables and hamburger and hot dog and a lot of camaraderie, about 40 people there. It's kind of like fun since COVID restrictions have lifted up. Uh, the speaker was amazing. We had a couple of speakers. One speaker was 32 years sobriety, and another speaker had 30 years sobriety. And they rocked the house. They were really nice and loud. So, uh, great things are happening. Anyway, God bless you. We'll see how this thing comes out. Thank you. Well, I didn't pray. That's maybe one of the reasons. Let's go ahead and pray. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. Courage to change those things I can and the wisdom to know the difference. Amen. Reading from the Grapevine, The Next Frontier, the booklet AA Grapevine, Emotional Sobriety. This one's called Wait for the Pitch. Let's go ahead and pray. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. It was the summer of 1999, and in order to cover the cost of the October wedding my finance and I had planned, I was working as a Mater D babysitting booze hounds in a fancy gin joint. The money was more than fair, but I hated the job. I was in my six-year sobriety. I knew all about the actor noted in the big book and his desire to control the elements of production. I was familiar with the key of willingness and I was aware of the nature of a determined and persistent trial. In my opinion, I had pinned the third step to the mat. Still, I suffered tremendous anxiety when I wondered how we were going to pay for our wedding. How could I stomach another night at that job and how we were going to manage after we got married? Deep in the throes of this apprehension, a friend who's well-placed in the corporate world, offered me four free tickets to an afternoon Yankees game. They were playing my favorite team, the Tigers, and the seats were right behind their dugout, behind third base. It was just the break I needed, and I gladly took the tickets, but consternation came on the heels of my acceptance. None of my buddies could take an afternoon too, too low at the ballpark with me. I was stuck with three great tickets and I didn't know what to do with them. 
I resolved to turn them over to the one who has all power. I got down on my knees and I said I would trust him to figure out what to do with those tickets. Riding the number five train to Yankee Stadium, I seized up my prospects. Nobody felt right. I continued to place my trust in a higher power. I encountered a man with two children, a boy and a girl, at the box office. Three baseball fans, three tickets. I asked the dad if he wanted them. I couldn't accept the money, give freely what has been freely given, but I warned him and the kids that they'll be stuck with me for the afternoon. I promised to, to be on my best behavior and politely declined his beer offer. A soda I thought would be fine. I got what I came for. It was a tense contest in a late inning. The Tigers put a man on first, and the next batter took off with the pitch. He lined the ball to right field, and the runner, who's gotten a terrific jump, was rounding second. The Yankees right fielder came up with the ball cleanly, but he rushed his throw to third. It landed in the coach's box, kicked off the railing in front of us, and caromed just over our heads. A vicious scramble ensued. The little boy got showered with beer, but his dad emerged with the ball. He handed it to his son, soaked but happy, the proud new owner of a major league baseball. A Yankees beat writer let off his column the next day with a throwing error. The beer-drenched boy and the dad who retrieved the ball. Reading the reporter's account, I realized that God was the one who brought all that together. It spread out from him. Through me, a dad saved some money, a little boy won a souvenir, and a newspaper guy found a lead for his report because I had trusted that God would show me how to act in this simple situation. The Tigers, truly awful that year, beat the soon-to-be World Series champions, Yankees. Our wedding was a memorable, elegant event for which we received all the help we needed. I have retired from gin mill work forever, God willing. Today, I face difficulties that make distasteful jobs and the distribution of free tickets pale in comparison. My greatest challenge are before me, but my experience with the third step, even in the smallest matters, gives me the courage to meet whatever lies ahead, 24 hours at a time. Pete P. from Manhattan, New York. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful story. Beautiful. We read this today in our park meeting. And the, uh, the sharings were as followed. One guy had been in the, in the war 20 years ago for four years. And he shared about his war experience. Another guy was in... Uh, in Vietnam, he was recruited, talked about the, the problems when you come back and the hallucinations, the trauma. And another guy talked about baseball and, and so forth, and the meeting went on. And I talked about the time that I, my son came down from up Northern California and uh, he said he was going to take the kids at the last minute, he told me. So I ran down there, but I couldn't buy a ticket that would sit next to them. They were sitting at the Dodger Stadium 
uh, at the uh, hot dog, all you can eat hot dog section and so forth. So I thought, oh, well, maybe I can jump a fence and get over there with them. I'll, I'll see if I can buy a ticket with some scalpers here. And a couple of boys were walking around with an extra ticket, and the mom was there. And I thought to myself, I, Fernando, would do a good deed. I went ahead and go ahead and purchased the ticket, and, and they told me that I had to sit with them. And I said, fine. So the four of us went walking up, and I noticed, huh, what a combination. A mom, two sons, and an instant dad. We all happily went. The two kids skirted in there. The, the lady moved in, and I sat down, and and we started to talk, and I found out that she was familiar with AA, and I'm trying to pitch to her, and she goes, excuse me, I'm going to go get me a beer. All this talk about recovery got her thirsty, and she got up, and I moved out of the way, and she went to bring back this expensive beer, you know, that was probably as tall as one of those boys. And she sat down, drank that, and then she said, excuse me, I got to go to the bathroom. She went and came back with another beer. Meanwhile, the endings are passing, and the kids are yelling, screaming. They're throwing popcorn at the people down, down further down and uh, making a lot of noise. The people are looking up at me. The mother's nowhere to be found, and I am stuck with these kids. I can't leave the... Uh, I'm watching them. So it all happened that uh, she came back after a while. She's nauseated, and she tells me, I got here on the bus because they gave me the tickets. Uh, the boys haven't been to a game in a long time, but she decided to get drunk. So on, on the way, I, I figured that there was no way that she was in the nighttime get, after the game was over to get on the, on the bus and by the time they get home, those kids, that all that family would be extremely exhausted. And I was already exhausted. I don't remember the game. I don't remember who played. I never saw, I didn't see my son. I couldn't see it. Maybe we, uh, we waved at each other. He was down at some section below. Thousands of people and screaming. So finally, I told the, the family, I said, look, I'll give you a ride home. Mistake. Where do you live? Up in Lincoln Heights, somewhere in the hills, somewhere, boondocks. And before we get there, the, the lady wants a drink. I said, Lord, lady, I'm not stopping at no 7-Eleven to get you a, a, a booze. I'm taking you right home. And, well, you know, alcoholics, she, she ran and raged, threatening to get out the car, leave me with the boys. I said, okay, okay, hang on. We'll pull over. I go in there, buy her the quart of beer, come back, give it to her. And, I, and I'm praying, I said, God, get me out of this. Now we have trouble finding where she lives. She's drunk. Finally, the boys helped me, and we're up in the hills somewhere. And finally, I'm thinking, how can anybody live out here? How did they get to the stadium in the first place? You know, to get all the way down there and get a bus. And I said, God bless you. And I told the lady, don't forget us. Don't forget this 12-step program. You don't have to live this way. There's many of us that we can do this sober. I don't remember if I said that, but I, I threw everything I could to her. I figured if she's drunk, it can go into her subconscious mind and lay there. But uh, And that was my story of getting, buying me a ticket. Next time, I'll just go through the window and pay the high prices my son paid 
and take my chances there. I got my money's worth. Um, so with that, I just want to say thank you very much for listening today. Let's go ahead and, and close this up with the third step prayer, please. Since it was talking about the third step. Beautifully uh, entail the third step that we have consistent problems and we have the key to willingness and we have God to help us with it. So here, let's pray. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Amen. That was not the third step prayer, right? Let me try that again. God, I offer myself to thee to build with me and to do with me as thou wilt. Relieve me of the bondage of self that I may better do thy will. Take away my difficulties that victory over them may bear witness to those I would help of thy power, thy love, of thy way of life. May I do thy will always. Amen. Keep coming back. It's working. morning family welcome to today's podcast greetings wonderful that you're here i hope you're having a, a great day i find that you're in good spirits fabulous things are happening remarkable things because we're pushing forward let's go ahead and start this day with a push forward into the spiritual realm so we can get our fix for the day let's say the uh the serenity prayer please God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Amen. I'm Fernando, your secretary. I'll be reading today God's promises for your every need. A.J. Gill, his famous little book. Very inexpensive. Find it in many places. Is taken out of the New King James Version. And when God says, my grace is sufficient for you, that's the only thing we have available for us. And how to tap into God's grace? Well, it's through uh, acknowledging God and saying, yep. Acknowledging God in the morning, in the afternoon, every moment of the day, uh, with gratitude. That streams in. Remember Benjamin Franklin's prayer? <laughs> that would stream in a whole river of continuous ideas, which was grace, continuous power, which was grace, continuous strength, satisfaction, and contentment, which was grace. Through what source? Through our willpower, for our willingness to move forward in gratitude and count on blessings, count our blessings. Amen. That should be the norm. That was the norm from Adam and Eve before they fell. It was to uh, just be on the side of grateful. 
you know, just. All right, let's go ahead and read some scripture. Uh, what to do when you feel angry. And it says, be angry. It's very interesting. I said, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath. So you can be angry and, and not sin. That's an interesting scripture, huh? Be angry and do not sin. So like we talked about yesterday that uh, you can have a, this is not right situation. But God, I thank you for the situation. I accept it. Now, what are we going to do about it? That's not, see, that's acknowledging God and not sinning. The problem comes in is when we try to, I will not accept it. It's when it doesn't have to be right. And then we push and push and push. Yeah, we may be right, but we, but the application may be wrong. You know, things do happen. Things do fall apart. People do disappoint us. And we disappoint ourselves. All right, that was a tough one for me. So, let's start over. Good day. Thank you for coming in today's podcast. I'll be reading a few scriptures that will bless you. <laughs> let's go ahead and start the resume button. Let's start off with Proverbs 15.1. says, A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Matthew 6.14 says, For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. In other words, if you allow others to rage and rant, and love them, your reward for forgiving them or letting them vent would be that we're forgiven too. Proverbs 14, 29 says, He who is slow to wrath has great understanding, but he who is impulsive exalts folly. Interesting that uh, great understanding is a reward in itself. When we're slow to get angry, the reward is great understanding. And isn't that what we're all after? Isn't that why we're here? To learn, to seek new information, to put in our hopper so we'll have some spiritual uplifting throughout the day. Thank you for coming on here. Wonderful people of God. Wonderful people that are climbers, seekers, and achievers, and want better in life. And you know there's more, and there is more. And that's being in, in zinc with our Heavenly Father. Psalms 37 eight says, Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret, it only causes harm. So anger causes us to uh, to to be wrathful and vengeful, 
You know, it only causes fret. We know we're a spiritual person. Best thing is to acknowledge it. God, that really ticks me off. And I thank you for it. Now, how are we going to use this power to turn it into good? How are we going to take care of this situation? How are we going to get out of this? It's going to be interesting how you're going to get me out of this one. Cease from anger, forsake wrath. Talking to God in an intelligent way, uh, that he's right beside us. Paraclete, the Greek word for our compadre, compadre, amigo, or, uh, you know, adventurer. And then you get stronger words like advocate, uh, you know, supervisor, if you will, the Holy Spirit. Isn't that wonderful? We have access to power from heaven. We have access to stability, kindness. I mean, that blows my mind. You know, stop to think that we have, uh, all of us have availability to go into the spiritual realm. And you would say to yourself, duh. Well, duh to you too. (laughs) You know, maybe the father is thrilled that I'm wondering, you know. You know, wondering about not trying to figure him out or figure things out, but to enjoy the day. I scream, I walk, beautiful sunsets, sunrise, beautiful uh, conversations, respect and fellowship with others, giving um, a genuine high five. Have doing a good job, well satisfied, well done, with the skillful God guiding our hands, godly skill. Those are all satisfactions, well done. And this is what the uh, the enemy, the defeated Satan, who's under our feet. He's defeated. Jesus has defeated him. One of the things that we need to rejoice and be glad that he, the Lord said. Be of good cheer, for I have overcome the devil. <laughs> he is a defeated foe. He is under our feet. Yeah, it's it's a spiritual acknowledgement. And then we need to rejoice and acknowledge in the accomplishments that Jesus has done. You know, and we just ride on, <clears throat> ride on his shoulder and <clears throat> get him back of him. He is the warrior. He is the lead bull. And go at it, Jesus. Beat him up. He likes he likes a good fight. You go out there and and beat up the uh, the enemy. Ecclesiastes seven nine says, "Do not hasten in your spirit to be angry, for anger rests in the bosoms of fools." Oh, ho, ho, ho. That's really important because uh, Mark Twain said, when you see two fools arguing with each other, you don't know which one's the one who started it. Do not hasten. Do not be quick in your spirit. Isn't that interesting that it's in our spirit to be angry? The anger comes from our spirit or soul. For anger rests in the bosom of fools. Okay, Romans twelve nineteen says, Beloved, do not avenge yourself, but rather give place 
to wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Isn't that interesting that we can move out of the way and say, Raph, come here. Get sick of wrath, for it is wrath, according to this scripture, it belongs to the Lord. Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. So get out of the way. So that's one of the reasons we uh, we thank God. Lord, this God is, is talking and causing havoc at work. God, I thank you. What are we going to do about it? Get out of the way. Rather give place to wrath. I've seen it take place. It works beautiful when you do it properly. And you see, wow, you see the power of God work to... Uh, that you're a child of God, carry you, protect you. You know, you're doing your best you can. Yep, we have faults too, <clears throat> but as long as we acknowledge them and thank God for them, our Father just uses them for good. You know, it speaks volumes to other people. <clears throat> Proverbs 25, 21 and 22 says, If your enemy is hungry, give him bread to eat. If he is thirsty, give him water to drink. For you will heap coals of fire on his head, and the Lord will reward you. Kind of interesting, my son was able to explain this verse to me. Um, and I always thought, read it this way. If your enemy is hungry, give him old bread and have pity on him. If he's thirsty, then, uh, for you will heap a two-by-four on his head, and the Lord will reward you. But it doesn't say that. It says, in other words, Pray for your, secretly, for your enemy, that he will be healthy, enough bread to eat, that he will be prosperous, or she, and that they will be happy. Three things for 15 days. But on your case, you probably have to do it for the whole month, you know. You should have a cleansing month, you know, like, like make it February, where we, February is the month we pray for all our enemies, you know. And then we do a cleansing, not a, a pre-cleansing before spring cleaning. Uh, just praying for our enemies, praying for their health, praying for their prosperity, and praying for their happiness. Just write it in the calendar. Or we can, even this March is still early enough for us to start this month. I think we made that pack. I have it on my calendar that I was going to do that. And since this is my pack, it comes to me as we go along and I think about it and I do pray for them because uh, I judge and the way I judge, I be judged. So I judge them blessed. I judge them healthy. I judge them prosperous. I judge them happy. Ha! And amen. So what this scripture is saying, to make cookies for your enemy... Put them at his doorstep, and the action will heal you. The action will heal me, and the Lord will reward me. If I get in my closet and pray for my enemies, if your enemy is hungry or if he's in need of um, love, usually those people can't accept God's love. They can't accept people's love, which represents God's love, um, which is bread to eat for the soul. And thirsty, Jesus receiving Jesus, you know. So you're praying that he 
eat the bread, the, the words of God, drink the, the, the water of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, and then you will keep him out of the fire of, of Satan, of hell, uh, out, of it, out of him, and the Lord will reward you. In other words, we, we are called for intercession, that we're the only ones, or we're, we have a chance to get a reward for bringing that person into the kingdom of God. So let's go ahead and take a time to pray for all our for enemies for their salvation. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Father God, for those people that are odd with us and don't get along with us, Lord, that utterly just hate us, Lord, because we we're followers of you. Lord, we ask you, Father, to make them a shining light to the people, that they will be touched by your power, by your glory, by your Son, Jesus Christ. Lord, we just dedicate all of them to you. Right now, we ask you for their salvation. We ask you for their that they will be saved. They'll be plucked from, the, from hell and into heaven. Lord, we ask you, Lord, to save their souls. Jesus, we're asking you to bring them into your kingdom, Lord God. We are intercede for them. Lord, we intercede for them, Lord God. And we just start naming their names in their head, Lord. Lord, the kingdom of God will come upon them, Lord. And they say, yes, yes, yes. Bless them, Lord, in your kingdom with health and prosperity and happiness, Lord God. Make it evident, Lord God, that you're working in their lives, Lord. We dedicate them to you right now, and we sprinkle them with the blood of Jesus Christ that they will be sealed in their hearts, their minds, and their souls, Lord God, that they will have nothing missing and nothing broken. They will be complete in the spirit realm for your glory and your honor. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen, amen. Hallelujah. How does it feel to do your due diligence that we acted properly as children of the Father, our God, the way Jesus will, we would have us to do? Amen. Hebrews 10.30 says, For we know him who said, Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. And again, the Lord will judge his people. Wow, the Lord will judge us. And he will judge us righteous. Amen. Ephesians 4, 31, 32 says, Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice and be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Come on, guys. Put a rubber band around your wrist. And if you have bitterness... You thank God that you have bitterness and snap the rubber band. If you fall into wrath and get in the way of wrath, then snap that rubber band and say, Thank you, God. I, I'm sorry I got into wrath. Same thing for anger, clamor, or evil speaking. You're speaking bad about the person. Get over into the love side. Stop ranting like a little child. Be a, be a, a grown-up Christian human being that... People have devils in them, and they need help. And they're probably, their troublemaking is, uh, is I need help. I need help from you. They, they single us out. We, you know, the devils recognized Jesus. They said, I know you, son of God. You come to throw us into the pit of hell before dark time. So the, 
if you read the scriptures, you'll stay in love. Switch over to stay in love. Bite your tongue. Put that rubber band. And remember, we're training to be uh, thankful for what Christ has done for us. Amen. Moving on, Matthew 5, 22 and 24 says, But I say to you that whoever is angry with his brother without a cause will be in danger of the judgment. And whoever says to his brother, Raka, Raka, should be in danger of the council. But whoever says, You fool, should be in danger of hellfire. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar and there remain, Remember that your brother has something against you. Leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. First, be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. You know, your your reconciliation with your brother is a person that's born again already. You cannot actually... I tried um, going to a, a, a person that doesn't know Christ who's got something against me. The only thing he's got against me is because... Uh, uh, leadership or jealousy. Other guys told me the person is jealous. Um, but whatever it is, is basically that it, uh, the guy's not born again and he's and he's angry at, at Jesus. He's got a devil in him. <laughs> Jesus cast out devils one-third of the time in his ministry. And if you don't think uh, those are devils, that anger that's coming from other people... That's truly the real real McCoy, folks. Uh, so it says, But I say to you that whoever is angry with his brother without a cost, now this is probably a Christian brother, it says brother, or else it would have said Gentile, without a cost shall be in danger of the judgment. Okay? In other words, we're, we're judging wrongly, so it's automatic judgment. Okay? So send them blessings and forgive them. And whoever says, now you open your mouth and you say, because we, we are the on the uh, uh, similitude of God, with the we are like gods, Jesus said. And when we say raka, we're actually pronouncing uh, a, a sickness or something over the person. Then we will be in danger of the council. In other words, the council is looking at us and saying, Wayne are, you know, because they're gonna they're gonna pronounce a judgment on us because of, of the misuse of the power given to us. You know, we we ask for forgiveness, and and then as we forgive others, and the Lord forgave us. Now we're going right back to the mud and start throwing sling at other sinners like we were. We shall be in danger of the council. Okay, so oh oh. And then, but whoever says, if you keep going and you call the person a fool, you shall be in danger of hellfire. Now, <laughs> we're losing our salvation, isn't that right? We lost it completely. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar. Isn't that interesting? It's probably because he's talking about a brother. It's kind of like if you're talking to Jesus himself and you're saying, you know, those words to Jesus. Can you imagine saying that kind of words to to a, uh, the Lord who's provided salvation for us? Because he's in every one of us. So that this scripture makes sense in that, in that realm. Uh, we would be in danger of 
Hal Fire. Woo! Christian brothers, just love on them for their good points and forgive them for their bad points. And because we all have bad points, you're really forgiving yourself when you forgive others for their bad points. Amen. Is this too much for this morning? I'm, I'm going to bless your income, so don't, don't go away. <laughs> So we're gonna we're gonna be rewarded for this. I, I'm telling you, and we'll be rewarded today. Remarkable things are gonna happen. Your pocketbook. We're gonna say glory, glory, glory to your pocketbook. Glory, glory to your finances. Glory, glory to your vehicles, to your household. Glory, glory to your family members. That they all will be blessed. Your mother and your fathers and your brothers and your sisters. They will all be blessed with salvation with health, prosperity, and happiness. You know, amen. Not like an Eastern uh, philosophy. This is, this is Bible. This is a, the word peace has all those uh, descriptions in it. You will be blessed properly in Jesus' name. Proverbs 14, 16, 17 says, A wise man fears and departs from evil, but a fool rages and is self-confident. A quick-tempered man acts foolishly, and a man of wicked intentions is hated. A man of wicked intentions is hated. Colossians 3.8 But now you yourself are to put off all these. Anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Amen. Well, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his counts and give you that peace that we all seek. And remember the scripture of Psalm 86, 7. In the day of your trouble, we will call upon the Lord, for he will answer us. In the day of my trouble, I will call upon the Lord, and he will answer me. Amen. Let's, let's pray. One more prayer. Hang in there, please. Here it is. The Our Father. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Thank you for coming on today's podcast. Give them heaven, folks. Have a great day. Good day. Welcome to today's reading of uh, various books. We're going to be touching on 365 days, about four of them. So let's go ahead and get started with the serenity prayer, please. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Amen. Our first book 
for today is just for today. Daily meditations for recovering addicts. March 3rd, relapse. Addict could be a compulsive talker, compulsive, compulsive dreamer, a compulsive uh, remorse dreamer. <laughs> okay, there will be times, however, when we really like using or dreaming. We want to run and we feel lousy. We need to be reminded of where we came from and that it will be worse this time. This is when we need the program. If we're con contemplating a, a relapse, we should think are using through to the bitter ends. We should think the thoughts to our bitter ends. For many of us, those ends would include several medical problems, imprisonment, or even death. How many of us have known people who have relapsed after many years clean only to die from the disease? But there is a death that accompanies a return to active addiction that may be worse than physical death. That is the spiritual death we experience when we are separated from our higher power. If we use the spiritual relationship we'll have nurture over the years, will weaken and perhaps disappear. We will feel truly alone. There's no doubt that we have periods of darkness in our recovery. There is only one way we can make it through those troubling times with faith. If we believe that a higher power is with us, then we know that all will be well. No matter how badly we may feel in our recovery, a relapse is never the answer. Together we find recovery If we stay clean, the darkness will lift and we will find a deeper connection to our higher power. Just for today, I thank my higher power for the gift of sobriety, awareness. Just for today, I know that relapse is not the way out. Whatever challenges I face, I will face them with the God of my understanding. Page 64. Now, what a coincidence for me is... Uh, is the destruction of my imagination backwardly. Using my imagination to fix things, what could have been, should have been, uh, I constantly do that. That is one, probably one of my reasons I can't focus on the future, to put something together, to, to, to enjoy life truly here. I believe the best experience that I have is envisioning something in the future and working towards it And then the joy when I'm there. Focusing on the future instead of focusing on the past and trying to reconstruct the past. Real estate, businesses, uh, influences, orphanages, all these crazy things that I go back in my imagination. And I, I think that's the way it should have been. So... Thank you. I'm in the right place with the right people, headed the right direction. Today, another book comes along. It's called More Language of Letting Go. 366 new daily meditations from, you guessed it, Beatty. Lady's name is Beatty. February 3rd. Deal with panic and anxiety. I can still remember the day. It was shortly after my divorce. I was a single parent with no money and two young children. 
It came upon me suddenly out of the blue. I couldn't breathe. My chest hurt. My heart hurt. I couldn't stop it. I panicked. The more I panicked, the worse it got. I called 911. The ambulance came. They gave me some oxygen and then politely told me not to worry. It was just a panic attack. I had experienced another one of those attacks a long time ago. Right after I first married the children's father, I had shut myself down from anxiety. I couldn't breathe, couldn't speak from the fear I felt. Many people experience panic and anxiety attacks. Maybe it's happening to you. Maybe you had only one or two incidents of it. Maybe panic and anxiety make regular appearances in your life. Most people I met have experienced fear. These are a few little clues I learned that have helped me to deal with my own attacks. Breathe. Whenever we panic, our breathe comes in shallow, awkward spurts. By deliberately breathing slowly and calmly, we, we can slowly slow our panic down. We feel it by breathing fast. We put our bodies in hyper alert. If we breathe as though we're relaxed, our bodies will start slowing down. Don't respond to your panic with more fear. Sometimes we double what we're going through by having an emotional reaction to our initial reaction. We're afraid because we're feeling fear. Let yourself go through the original feeling without reacting to yourself. Instead of focusing on your fear, let yourself be aware that you're feeling it, but deliberately do something that calms you down. You won't want to do this. Your panic will want you to do something else, something that feeds panic and makes it grow. Do something calmly and quiet, even though that activity doesn't feel right to you. It could be reading a meditation, listening to some quiet music, taking a shower, or saying a prayer. We all have things that help calm us down. Find something that works for you. Amen and amen. Beautiful, beautiful. And our next book is Courage to Change for March the 3rd. Courage to Change, one day at a time. A recent searching and fearless moral inventory of myself, Step 4, gave me a clear message. Much of my behavior was extremely immature, but... What is mature behavior? Obviously, the answer is different from each and every one of us. But exploring the question can help me to identify my goals and apply the Al-Anon program as I seek to change this behavior. To me, maturity includes knowing myself, asking for help when I need it, and acting on my own when I don't. Admitting when I'm wrong and making amends, accepting love from others and If I'm having a tough time loving myself, recognize that I always have choices and taking responsibility for the ones I make, seeing that life is a blessing, having an opinion without insisting that others share it, forgiving myself and others, recognizing my shortcomings and my strengths, having the courage to live one day at a time, acknowledging that my needs are my responsibility, caring for people without having to care of them, accepting that I'll never be finished. I'll always be a work in progress.
Amen. Boy, I'll always be a working promise. Ah, a working promise. Working progress. That's good, huh? Accepting that we'll always be a working promise. We are a promise. You know, with a capital P. A possibility. Hope for today, our next book. My mother, who was stressed by trying to cope with my alcoholic father, often loudly accused me of being irresponsible. Many times she screamed at me, why can't you be more responsible? Responsibility seemed like an unattainable goal because I thought I had to be responsible for everything and everyone. Then a fellow Elna member taught me a new way to define responsibility. Respond ability. The ability to respond. Ability to respond. This definition opened a completely new world for me. My ability to respond in early recovery was not very strong, but the program and the people in it taught me to honor what skills I did possess and could use. So my earliest expression of my respondability was to answer the call of recovery. The most I could do at that beginning was just show up at meetings. I was too afraid to share, so I let listen. So I let listening become another way I could respond. After A, a lot of showing up and listening, the teaching of the program began to sink in. Little by little, I grew to really acknowledge and respond to my pain, my needs, myself. To encourage my recovery, I took some risks. I shared, got a sponsor, and volunteered for service. The longer I kept coming back, the more whole I became. To my Today, my respondability is not always the same. Sometimes I can respond more than at other times. One aspect of this new skill is realizing when. I can't handle something alone and need help from my friends and from my higher power. Today's meeting, conference, approved literature, and my higher power helped me discern the responses that are right and healthy for me. Thought for the day. Keeping the focus on me is a good way to start responding to myself. What is important in my life? What do I want? What do I need? Elating a day at a time. Page 13. Again, what is important in my life? Or you can ask your higher power, God, what is important in my life today? Lord, what do I want? Father, what do I need? Question mark. I think the focus is on waiting. Asking those three questions. What are, what's important in my life? Dad, and wait and then be ready to write the answer. What do I want? And what do I need? Our next reading for today is the last one is One Day at a Time in Elanon. It says, During the dreadful drinking days, the anxiety over what was happening in our family was certainly the most important thing in the world to us. How could it be otherwise? We were living with it, saddled with it. We knew there was a world outside where people lived in some degree of order and peace. But if we thought about it at all, 
It was only a passing pang of envy. We were swamped, drowned in troubles that left no room for thinking of anything else. In Elna, we discover there is a way out of the most hopeless-seeming situation. We find friends to give us help and encouragement. We find opportunity to help others, and so slowly we climb out of the pit in which we thought we were buried. Today's reminder. When it suddenly dawns on us that Elanon has something we can use, we leap from hopelessness to hope and confidence. We give up despair. We catch a glimpse of hope, and then we know it is up to us to make it work in our lives. Let me realize that the Elnon program is not a magic potion that will instantly cure all my ills, but a pattern of living that will serve me to exactly the degree that I work at it. I'm Fernando, and I got hope by osmosis. It just creeped in my cup. I felt good. I started to smile and go forward. Have a great day, family. Give them heaven. Let's go ahead and pray with the Lord's Prayer, please. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us of our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Keep coming back, family. It's working. Welcome, everybody, to today's podcast. I'm Fernando, your secretary. I am out in the grass, so there's going to be a lot of noise going back and forth. I'm actually, I got a hammock out here that I traded an old Italian bicycle that was pretty beat up for a hammock on OfferUp. And it's pretty good because I can get my vitamin D out here. I can get my meditation out of the way and plus talk to you. How about that? I already been out here for about an hour. I had my lunch. I went to an AA meeting this morning, 12-step morning. I, uh, there's a couple of guys there. One guy with uh, about 20 days sobriety or maybe a 30 days and another guy with 60 days. And that's our food for keep coming back. Now, if we can, uh, uh, through my experiences and the other guys' experiences, what we want to do is we want to convey to them what our experience has been without paying attention to a daily reprieve in our spiritual condition. What has our experiences been for not following instructions? You know, the book of Proverbs says that 
we're going to be so sorry when we're, our, our bodies are full of diseases and we didn't pay attention to our elders that told us not to go that way. Not, the party scene is a very destructive scene. The sin will come and eat our lunch. You know that the, the true things in life were gratitude, humility, optimism, generosity, forgiveness, good intentions, and good expectations. You know, my expectations is that I may uh, ground myself, easy does it, like I'm doing now. If you haven't seen the documentary on grounding, uh, take a look at it, because a lot of tension may be coming from your uh, anxiety, your moving around is creating free radicals, your breathing, kind of nice to see the workers pass by with their machines and you're over here in your hammock uh, drinking iced tea and talking to your friends. I, I'm, uh, what'd you say? I'm, I am financially free. I got it made. It's like my 95-year-old uh, ex-father-in-law. I went to see him about a Sunday ago and he tells me, Fernie, he calls me Fernie. I got it made. He goes, I got my house paid for. I got all, all these, you know, resources coming in. Man, I got a car in the, in the driveway, brand new, and it's paid for. He's 95 years old, and he's got his... His love is intact. His love... You know, I always try to figure out people, what makes a person a tick? And this guy, I, I think it's, it's the way his parents gave love. He was the first one of about 12 kids. Will you believe that? You know, in the 40s, and the 50s, 60s, there were big families. My mom came from a, a 12 dozen. My dad came from a large family. And then my mom had five. And then I, I had three, and then my son had two and a half. No, I'm kidding. You know what I mean? But the guy has a lot of love. But the funny thing about it, he still has his, his mind, and he has his uh, humor. He says, yeah, but my legs don't work. <laughs> my younger son is there helping him, taking care of him, so that... And I just saw that God is taking care of my son. God said, if you follow righteousness, even your children will be blessed. You know, it's been 30, 40 years I've been following the Lord. Uh, and I see that my sons are, sons are not out there begging bread. They're not out causing misery. They're, uh, you know, they're out there... Uh, doing the best they can within the uh, regulations and parameters of this country. You know, uh, one, one thing stood out today that when we are in the constant hunt for new information, when we're curious for new information, and we have the Lord on our side, uh, then that's in a good place to be. That's the place where God can give us enormous amount 
of uh, supplies and generosity and enormous supply of good things because we won't lose our focus. Our focus will be the same if we had $600 billion, $500 million, you know, or if our focus will be the same. So that, my friend, is amazing. Even if we had, let's say, go to the other spectrum, we didn't have, you know, a job. We didn't have, but if we focus on the Lord, we would be content today. And I've been in a place where I didn't have a job. I didn't have a place to live. I didn't have have all these things. And my focus was carrying that Bible in the back of my pocket. And I believe that's inception for us. That's the starting point. But we don't have to go to that, to that extremes. We have a generous father who, uh, who paid the price for us. You know, we don't have to suffer with pain. We can suffer by reading. We can suffer by listening. We can suffer by praying for others. We can suffer by giving other people the benefit of the doubt and blessing them and praying for their salvation. That's not hard to do, folks, but that's still uh, a level of a level that raises you up in humility and keeps us good with God. It keeps us well balanced with our Creator. Those are a few thoughts I had for today. Some of the key points that happened today at the meeting were uh, these. These are the bullet points that I got from the meeting today, which I I'm going over them so I can insert them in my heart a little. A little further one of them there was a guy in there that said it was kind of funny he said he he went into a AA meeting and it was a woman's meeting and he was sitting in there and he didn't know he was waiting for other men to come into the meeting sort of and when it got full finally it got full of women and he noticed that there was no men there and finally some said we can't start this meeting until you leave they told him and, and he says, one lady, she said, come on, I'll, I'll, I'll walk you out. And she walked them, and they sat outside. And he told her, she told him, you know, if, if, you're, if, if you think you're so high and mighty and tough, why don't you go home and make a list of all the things that you have control over? And he said he did that. He went over home to write down a list of all the things that he he was master of, he had control. Did he have control of his uh, health? Did he have control over his income? Did he have control over the taxes or the gas pump? Or what did he have control over? And then now that I'm talking about and listening about it, I think the only thing we have control over is our gratitude. I think that's the only thing I have control over. That's the only thing that pops to my mind. What do I have control over? I have control over my gratitude so I can have experienced the benefits of a kindness from a, from a, a loving kindness from a Heavenly Father. Makes sense to me. I, I'm not preaching, but it's the truth. It's my experience, folks. Another great thing that was saying is uh, that was said in the meeting was uh, that the greatest 
detriment that's been given to me in this life, one guy said that. He said, is my free will. With my free will, you know, it has been the worst experience I have experienced. I almost died out there with my free will, he says. My my free will, it, it's trying to talk me into uh, taking a drink. My free will is... Is, is trying to tell me that the meetings or the gatherings are no good. My free will wants, wants you to worship me. So he, so he said, uh, in, in these rooms, my free will is influenced to choose correctly, to choose my father's higher power's free will. Another guy said that we don't have any control over, uh, again, over gas prices, $6 a gallon, uh, cable bills, taxes, and all that. To be optimistic is to see the glass halfway full, right? To be optimistic. And the guy, and he said, you got to be honest. When you're discouraged and you're seeing the, the glass halfway empty, you got to say it. That's being honest with yourself, right? Yeah, you can say it, but then you have to flip it. What's the solution, right? You can say it that the glass is halfway empty. We, we all have things that we we gotten ourselves into and we're wondering why. Now we got a, you know, car payment, you know, a job. We got ourselves into that and now we're stuck, you know, so we got to we got to make the best of it because this life is not going to last forever. There is rewards for being a father, being a mother, and hanging in there. There are rewards. There are eternal rewards. Do the best we can with what we have. Love the one you're with. Remember that song? What is the rallying point for us? That there's a power great in ourselves. Amen. So that's about does it. I think I'm, I'm going over and over the thing. Remember, complete abandon is, you know, it's not about drinking. It's about emotional sobriety, being stable. And then another another thing that I came up with, which is really important, is I remembered, uh, you know, I'm the kind of guy that will pick up uh, trash and pennies and things out of the out of the street. I picked up three, four skunk, dead skunks out of the streets. I picked up, you know, squirrels, smashed up squirrels, you know, disposed of them, you know. Um, uh, people's teenagers throw out their trash. You know, I pick it up and put it away. And, um, somebody will throw some oil, <coughs> some cans of oil on the side there, you know, and I'll get it out of there. Why do I do that? Because I did it once, and then I'm paying back for my repentance. But one of the things that I read in the piece of paper that the piece of paper said on the floor that I picked up, it said, to make a list of the things I don't want to do. <laughs> make a list of the things I don't want to do. And then in our reading on page 552 of the AA Big Book, it says, to ask God for the want to. 
So it makes a lot of sense. Huh? Make a, a simple list. I, gotta, I don't want to do the rug. I don't want to clean my patio. I don't want to clean my garage. I don't want to wash my truck. I don't want to vacuum my truck. I don't want to clean out my truck. <coughs> you know, in the back of my mind, I do want to, but it, it, I, don't, I don't want enough to do it, right? So the next step is to make the list, race it to heaven, and then ask God sincerely for the want to. And then make a list of the things, either starting with the easier one or starting with the hardest one. Make a list. I would start with the hardest one. And don't move till you finish the hardest one. Okay, just the problem is focus what's coming to me. So I, I make a list of the things I don't want to do, and then I pray to God to give me the want to do other things I don't want to do. And then I pray the prayer of Jabez. Ready? Let's act like we have our list in our hands of all the things we don't want to do. And then we, we say, God, oh, that you would bless, bless me with my list that you would grant me the want to and the power to do this list. That your hand of want to will rest upon me. That you will keep me from evil, that it may not harm me. And that God would help me in my want to list. Amen. In Jesus' name. All right, folks. God bless you. Have a good time. Give them heaven. I hope you're still tracking with me. God bless you. Good morning, everyone. God bless you. Thank you for coming to today's podcast. Um, Fernando, your secretary. Let's go ahead and open this meeting today, uh, March the 8th, with the Lord's Prayer, please. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. That's a good positive uh, prayer to start the day off. Another one is... Uh, the Lord's Prayer. Uh, the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. Let's go ahead and do that. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Yes, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For the Lord is right beside me. His rod and his staff, they comfort me. The Lord has prepared a table before me in the presence of my enemies. The Lord has anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy and loving kindness shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. Amen. Hi, family. Welcome. I was uh, 
I read a quote today. It says, if you tell your friends what's going on with yourself, uh, you're being honest with yourself. Um, you know, and the honesty is, I was Sunday night, I helped someone move uh, some furniture from the storage, and there was these, and I should have put on a mask. Anyway, that Sunday night, I started feeling uh, uh, wheezy and un- no energy. Then I, I threw up and I had fever. Uh, uh, and the cold chills and the aches uh, but the breathing was okay I tested myself in the morning through the I was COVID free thank you God um, and I got better the next day uh, yes last night I got a little bit of fever um, and still achy a little bit of headaches today I feel fine now I'm wondering if I can go ahead and go go carry on my day or still rest for another day I don't know how many times I have I have gotten up and started moving again only to have the symptoms come back. Especially when you own a motorcycle, you know, it's a beautiful day. I don't own a motorcycle today, but I remember those days. All right, well, moving along, today's reading it comes to us from Keeping It Simple, a little book from Hazleton. Please get a copy. It's for March 8th. It's quoting Bill W., who is one of the top 100 people in the last 100 years this past century who made a difference in the United States. He's listed, I think, number 38 or 39. Bill W. started the 12-step program. And there's about 60 programs that are spinoffs out of this, this program, which is... Basically, what I said in the in the beginning was thanking God, being honest, your best friend, how you feel. Isn't that something that we can have a God that we can be honest with? God, I don't feel good today. Am I burning myself out? All right, let's move along. See, I feel good when I say that honestly to God. King David had the habit of just Screaming and yelling and, and doing tantrums, really. <laughs> tantrums with God. Look at my enemies. They're eating my life. They're destroyed. They're talking about me. You know, they're, they're just acting like they're okay. And they go and they get new information and they gossip about me. Nothing has changed, right? We all face the same troubles. So how did a king handle it? How did King King David handle it? Well, probably the same way you're handling it now. Thanking God, forgiving them, moving ahead. But I think we as, as Christians need to uh, rant in rage and, and take it to God and honesty where we're at. And then, you know, and if it's our fault, we'll thank Him and praise Him that we can't get it right. Okay, I admit it. You know, I've been lazy in that area. I accept it. Now, what are we going to do about it, God? What are you and I are going to do about the problem? We're a team now. <laughs> Amen. Sounds good to me, folks. I'll put that on my tea and drink it this morning. God bless you. Okay, March 8th, the meditation for today says, We lose the fear of making decisions, great and small, as we realize that should our choice prove wrong, we can, if we will, learn from the experience. Wow. Did you get that? Of course you got it. As we realize 
that should our choice prove wrong, we can, if we will, learn from the experience. Bill W. You know, in page 124 of the AA Big Book, there's a quote about the manufacturer uh, that Ford, Henry Ford, he said that the most valuable thing in life is experience when one is willing to use it for the well-being of others. And certainly we want to experience how to set ourselves properly and bounce back from burnout, from disappointments, and learn from them so we can be of better service to others to, or to be a happy, joyous, and free that we have a creator that's taking uh, care of us, taking care of billions of people. It says right here, as our disease grew, we often felt like any decision we made was wrong. We felt like wrong people. We lost self-respect because deep inside we knew that for us, using alcohol and other drugs was wrong. We went against our spirit. Now, we go, or complaining is wrong, or binging, or any other malfunction. Now we go with our spirit. We follow what we think our higher power wants for us. Now we learn from our mistakes. Another wonderful gift has been giving back to us. The gift of learning. From this gift, we stop playing God. How free it feels. Did you hear that? I am an eternal student. I'm always learning. Beautifully said. With this gift, we stop playing God. How free it feels. How good that feels. Amen. We pray for the day. Higher power, you have taken away my illness and replaced it with many wonderful gifts. I thank you for everything, even my mistakes. Wow. Action for the day. Today, I'll share with a friend my mistakes of the past week. Amen. All right, I want to thank you, everyone, for coming in today. May God bless you, restore you, and make you well. Thank you that you are a student with me as we go forward, searching and searching and searching. Let's go ahead and pray. Uh, the serenity prayer, please. God grant me the serenity to accept things I cannot change. Courage to change the, grant me courage to change the things I can and grant me wisdom to know the difference. Amen. May the, God bless you, family. Thank you for coming on today's podcast. See you tomorrow. We pray in God's will. Amen. Reading of Limitless Love, March 2nd. Extending the Reach of God's Love. This is by Gloria Copeland. Scripture for today is Psalm 8615. 
But thou, O Lord, art a God full of compassion and gracious, long-suffering and plenchance and mercy and truth. But thou, O Lord, art a God full of compassion and gracious, long-suffering and plenchance and mercy and truth. God's boundless love so staggers the human imagination that our natural minds often try to reason it away. Wait a minute, we might think. I know God is love, but there, there has to be limits to that love. The evidence is all around, after all. The earth is full of people in need, and the love of God certainly doesn't seem to be reaching them. It's true, judging from a pure human standpoint, perspective, there seems to be limits on God's love and goodness. But the limits are on our side, not His. Sometimes we limit our experience of God's love because we fail to listen to it and obey Him. At other times, we limit the reach of His love simply by our lack of understanding and lack of faith. Think about it for a moment. Since everything we receive from the hand of God is received by faith and trust in Him, if we're bound by fear, constantly worrying about our own well-being and doubting God's love for us, we won't be able to reach out by faith and receive from His open hand. Granted, we may not be at fault for our lack of faith if we haven't heard the word, but even so, our lack of understanding can limit our ability to receive the wonderful provisions that God in His love desires to give. One friend of mine tells of a time in her life that perfectly illustrates that fact. Although she was born again at an early age, she was raised in a traditional church and had little comprehension of the love and goodness of God. After she married and had children, she and her husband went through some financial hard times. Knowing they needed divine help, my friend would begin to pray, asking God to send them the money to meet their family needs. Then this negative thought that would short-circuit her prayers, how dare you ask God to meet your family needs when there are children starving in China. You should be praying for their needs, not yours. This cycle went on until she finally began to get some teaching and revelation about the limitless nature of God's love. Then it began to dawn on her that religious tradition and lack of knowledge had kept her from trusting God to meet her needs. In the light of that revelation, my friend realized at once how foolish she's been why has she asked God to meet only the needs of the Chinese children and not her own? He is God. Certainly he has enough love and enough provision for everyone. Why couldn't she ask for both? The answer was obvious. And from that time on, she began to open the door of God's provision by trusting him to give it. By simple faith in God's goodness, she extended the reach of his limitless love. Wonderful, beautiful reading, huh? But thou, O Lord, art a God full of compassion and gracious and long suffering, suffering and plenteous in mercy and truth. Our next reading is March 3rd. As you can see, I'm playing catch up. 
by Gloria Copeland again, An Ocean of Love. Psalm 31:19 is, How great is thy goodness, which thou hast laid up for them that fear thee, which thou hast wrought for them that trust in thee before the sons of men. Psalm 31:19. Not only is God's love for us unlimited, his desire to express thy love by pouring out his goodness upon us is also unlimited. Nothing delights him more than the opportunity to give blessings to his obedient children. As Psalm 35 says, Take pleasures in the prosperity of his servants. Verse 27, the Amplified Bible. F.F. Balfour, in his great book, Christ the Healer, says, God is infinite, good, and exists forever in a state of entire consecration to pour forth blessings upon his creatures whenever they make it possible which all may do, suppose the vast Pacific Ocean were elevated high above us, then conceive of its pleasure into every crevice to find an outlet through which it might pour its ocean tides over all the earth. And you have a picture of God's benevolent attitude towards us. Just imagine an ocean of God's goodness stored up just waiting to be poured at our lives. That's not just an exciting thought. That's what the Bible teaches. The Hebrew translation of Psalms 31:19 says, God has treasured up goodness for us. That concept is confirmed in Exodus 38:18, where Moses asked God to show him his glory. In the Hebrew Bible, the comments of the sages gives us insight and to what actually happened there. It says that when God said to Moses, I will make all my goodness pass before thee, verse 19, it actually means the time has come to show you as much of the divine goodness as you can comprehend. Then it says, God showed Moses all the treasures of reward stored up for the righteous. That's right. According to the Jewish sages, Moses saw a large unlabeled storehouses and the Lord told him it was goodness stored up for those who would receive from his loving hand. Yes, God is in his in his great love has good things stored up, prepared and ready for us. He has plenty laid up to make every one of us wealthy beyond our highest dreams free in every area of life, heal, whole, complete, with our families intact. It doesn't matter what kind of need you might have in your life. It's no challenge for God to fill it. He has much, much more than enough already laid and stored for you. And he desires to give it to you simply because he loves you. If that thought staggers your mind, don't worry about it. That's just the way God is. His love is so good, it's staggering. Well, literally spend eternity receiving all that he has to give. Wonderful reading. That was verse Psalm 3119. Oh, how great is thy goodness which thou hast stored up for them that fear thee. Which thou hast wrought for them that trust in thee before the sons of men. That scripture speaks volumes to me. It says, in other translations, it says that 
As the watching world sees that God is opening the windows of heaven and pouring down a blessing upon us, on those who fear him or reverence, worship him, respect him, or just plainly love him and seek him. Amen. All right, March 4th for Limitless Love and Even Better Covenant. Gloria Copeland. Praise you, the Lord. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. Psalm 106, verse 1. As I study the goodness of God's love, I found that often the people with the best understanding of it aren't made, aren't modern day Christians, but Bible believing Jews. The Jewish nation from the beginning has had a great revelation of what God's goodness truly means. In Hebrew, the very word good speaks of the highest and greatest of everything that is positive and desirable. In the Jewish mind, the goodness of God and the glory of God were practically synonymous. The very word glory in Hebrew means to be heavy with everything good. The Jewish people understood that it was the goodness of God's love that would deliver them, bless them, and bring them victory. That's why in battle, when they depended on the glory of God to go before them and defeated their enemies, they would proclaim, For the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. One Jewish scholar who has such understanding about the goodness of God was a man named David Barron. His commentary on the book of Zechariah contains some of the most powerful words I ever heard about God's love. Goodness is the attribute of God whereby he loveth to communicate, to give to all who can or will receive it. All good, yeah, himself, who is the fullness of the universality of good. Creator of all good, not in one way, not in one kind of goodness only, but absolutely, without beginning, without limit, Without measure, save that whereby without measurement he possess it and embrace it. All excellence, all perfection, all blessedness, all good. This good, his goodness bestowed on all the earth according to the capacity of each to receive it. Nor is there any limit to his giving, save his creature's capacity of receiving. That was by a Jewish scholar who had understanding about the goodness of God named David Barron. That was his commentary on the book of Zechariah, like I said. If old covenant Jews could expect God to be so loving and good to them, how much more can we as new covenant believers be confident in God's loving kindness toward us? After all, Hebrews 8.6 says that we have a better covenant established upon better promises. Our covenant is better because it includes all the promises of natural provision made by the old, plus the spiritual benefits of the new birth, including freedom from sin and the baptism of the Holy Spirit that comes with the new and all of its our rights now. And all of its 
is our rights now. Truly, we can say with even more assurance that our Jewish ancestors, that the Lord is good, His mercy endureth forever. Amen. Limitless love, March 5th. Living proof of God's love, Gloria Copeland. Verse is Psalm 92. Actually, it's uh, chapter 92, verses 1 and 2, 12 to 15. It is good to give thanks to the Lord and to sing praises to your name, O Most High, to declare your loving kindness in the morning and your faithfulness by night. The righteous man will flourish like the palm tree. He will grow like a cedar in Lebanon, planted in the house of the Lord. They will flourish in the courts of our God. They will still yield fruit in old age. They shall be full of sap and every green to declare that the Lord is upright. Psalm 92, 1 and 2, 12, 15. Do you know... That God wants to pour out his love and goodness upon you. Not only for your own benefit, but also for the benefit of others. He wants to bless you so richly that you become a walking demonstration of his wonderful love. The Lord has always wanted that for his people. All the way through the scriptures, we see him wanting to give his people such abundance and victory that it would get the attention of the heathen. He said to the Israelites in Jeremiah 33, 9, that he would so openly demonstrate his love for them that they would be to him a name of joy, a praise, and an honor before all the nations of the earth, which shall hear all the good that I do unto them. Why does God want people to see and hear about his goodness in our lives? Because he loves them and he wants them to recognize him as a good God and turn to him. I believe great numbers of people are going to be saved in the last days because God is going to show them his love in amazing ways. And I am convinced that one way it will happen is through the blessing flooding the lives of believers to the point we become the living proof of God's love that all the world can see. You may think that's a wild idea, but I have scripture for it. The Amplified Bible translation of Psalm 92, 15 actually says that God's people are living memorials to show that the Lord is upright and faithful to his promises. The word show means to boldly stand out opposite to manifest, announce, to expose, explain, praise, certify, declare, expound, fully, plainly, profess, rehearse, and report. In other words, God wants our lives to be so overflowed with his goodness that people can look on us and see we're different. We're not worried. We're not depressed. We're prosperous when the economy is up and when it is down. Nothing seems to take us off our path. We just keep going on our way, blessed and full of the joy of the Lord. God wants not only our lips, but our very lives to proclaim that he 
truly is love. Amen. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful reading. And now for March 6th. The days of heaven on earth. Gloria Copeland. Therefore shall you lay up all these my words in your heart and in your soul. Let your days may be multiplied and the days of your children in the land which the Lord swore unto thy, your fathers to give them as the days of heaven upon the earth. Deuteronomy 11 verses 18 and 21. Therefore shall you lay up these, my words, in your heart and in your soul, that your days may be multiplied and the days of your children, in the land which the Lord swore unto thy fathers to give them, as the days of heaven upon earth. Many Christians have been taught that God wants us to lead hard, sorrowful lives here on earth. Religion has trained them to believe that he doesn't want us to have anything good until we get to heaven. But the Bible says something very different. It tells us God loves us so much he wants to have days of heaven right here on earth. He has wanted that from the beginning when he gave the Garden of Eden unto Adam and Eve. He designed it to be a perfect, peaceful habitation where they could get together with him in the cool of the day and visit. We know he made it a beautiful place too because Genesis 2.9 says that in the garden made the Lord God to grow every tree that is pleasant in the sight and good for food. Of course, the entrance of sin into the earth messed things up, but God's desire and heart hasn't changed. He still loves us as much as he did Adam and Eve. And according to 1 Timothy 6.17, he still giveth us richly all things to enjoy. The earth, even in its fallen state, proves that you can take a ride through the mountains and see breathtaking, beautiful sights. You can go many places and see wonderful waterfalls, glorious canyons, lush forests, and even starkly beautiful deserts. Psalm 19 tells us that the earthly creation is constantly speaking to us about the power and character of God. It is telling us day and night that he loves us and wants us to be richly blessed. May your life, maybe your life has been so difficult in the past, you don't think you could ever be truly happy. Maybe the devil has wrought such destruction around you that you begun to doubt the goodness and the love of God. If so, I want to assure you today, God has not only the power, but also the desire to turn your life around. As you continue to seek him and follow his plan for your life, the Lord shall increase you more and more. Psalm one fifteen fourteen. Every day as you learn to walk in fellowship with him, more of the good things in life will come to you and Though you'll always keep looking forward to heaven and the face-to-face -face fellowship you'll enjoy with the Lord there, you'll enjoy many of his benefits in advance. As you learn to live more and more in the fullness of his love, you will indeed experience the days of heaven upon earth. Amen.
March 7th, Gloria Copeland, Living in Your Dreams. Psalms 25, verses 12 and 13, New American Standard. Who is the man who fears the Lord? He will instruct him in the way he should choose. His soul shall abide in prosperity, and his descendants will inherit the land. One of the things I most appreciate about God's love for us is that he expresses it in very practical ways. He doesn't just give us flowery words and warm feelings while leaving us to fend for ourselves in the natural affairs of life. In his great love, he supplies all of our needs. Philippians 4.19 Spirit, soul, and body. He doesn't give us just barely enough to get by, neither. He blesses us so liberally that if we walk with him long enough, we eventually find ourselves surrounded by more wonderful things that we can't imagine. One translation in Psalm 25:13 says that the person who reverence the Lord shall lodge in goodness. I can tell you from personal experience that, that that's a wonderful place to live. It's thrilling to dwell every day in the manifestation of the goodness of the Lord. It's almost like living in a dream. The home Ken and I enjoy today is a testimony of that. It is literally my dream house. It is such a demonstration to me of God's love that almost every time I walk into it, I feel like shouting and dancing a little. It seems almost too good to be true. One day, just as the construction on it was being finished, I walked around it and thought, this is so wonderful. I feel like I'm in a dream. Suddenly, I realized that was scriptural. In Psalm 126 says, When the Lord brought back the captives, ones of Zion, we were like those who dreamed. Then our mouths were filled with laughter and our tongues with joy, shouting. Then they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us. We are glad. God has always loved his people so much that he wanted them to walk in their dreams. That's what he wants for the Israelites. That's what he wants for me, and that's what he wants for you. Granted, the place you live right now and the circumstances that surround you may not be yet be what you dreamed of. But don't let that discourage you. Just keep remembering it's not your final destination. God always has something better in store for you. If you keep trusting and obeying him, he'll see to it that you graduate from one good dwelling place to another until eventually you too will be surrounded by the practical manifestations of his love. You will be launching in the goodness of and living in your dreams. Amen. March 8, Limitless Love, a destiny divinely designed for you. Our scripture is Ephesians 2.10, the Amplified Bible. For we are God's own handiwork, His workmanship, recreated in Christ Jesus, born anew, that we may do those good works which God predestined, planned beforehand 
for us, taking path which he prepared ahead of time, that we should walk in them, living the good life which he prearranged and made ready for us to live. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. Do you know God loves you so much that he made plans for your life even before you were born? He didn't wake up one day when you were about 20 years old and say, I guess I need to figure out something for this person to do now. He didn't just leave you on your own <clears throat> to figure out your future. No, God knew you and loved you before the world was ever made. Ephesians 1 says, In his love, he chose us, actually picked us out for himself as his own. In Christ, before the foundations of the earth, of the world, he foreordained us, destined us, planned in love for us to be adopted, revealed as his own children in accordance with the purpose of his will. Before you were born, God created a plan for you to follow. A great, victorious, abundantly prosperous plan. He designed a calling and a purpose for you. He ordained certain things for you to do, and he made you in such a way that when you do these those things, you're created to do that you were created to do. You'll be happy and your life will be very good. God loves you so much that he divinely designed you to fulfill the destiny he has planned for you. When you were born, he placed certain abilities, dreams, and desires within you that would help equip you for what he wanted you to do. Even before you gave your life to him, while you were still a sinner, they were there. Ken is a wonderful example of that. From that time when he was a small child, he wanted to fly airplanes and be a singer. That was his dream. Of course, before he was born again, he didn't use his talents and dreams exactly the way God intended. After God called him to preach, however, the real purpose behind his natural gifting became clear. The fact that he can fly an airplane has enabled us to go around the world preaching the gospel and place it, it would have been difficult for us to reach. Otherwise, his singing has also been a part of his ministry and a blessing to the body of Christ. Whether you know it or not, the same thing that is true of Kent is also true of you. God loves you and has predestined you to be blessed and to take that blessing to others. Keep seeking him and you'll discover the good life he has planned for you. Beautiful, beautiful reading. Limitless love. Thank you, Lord, for Gloria and Kenneth Copeland. Thank you for today's reading and teaching. And Lord, we say yes, yes, yes to your abundance, your mercy. Yes, yes, yes to your loving kindness. Yes, yes, yes to your care and your love, Lord. Thank you for ordaining us to show us off to the world that we may Bring millions, millions to the Lord, Father. Bless us as we learn to get others saved. And thank you for our prosperity. And restore us, Lord. Restore us as the resources that you have planned for us from the beginning of the earth when we were in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. Give them heaven, family. Have a great time.